0: Riff Lord no it's riffs uh, well you are the riff Lord right that's what they would say uh, I wouldn't really call myself that Fair not enough, bad man. not bad at it but uh riff Lord I am <laughs>
1: yes yes oh wow, oh wow um Owen 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 that is the name that I should have said last week instead of Ewan Quig, His name is uh, Owen Quig, And uh, I knew that uh, but then I decided to keep saying Ewan Quig, much as so much that our lovely friend Sam Walton. I hate that I know this but it's pronounced Owen. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and I was just like, I've just done a two and a half
0: hour podcast and I've named this guy the whole way through. I'll tell you what, if there's one thing you could admit to, it's being wrong. I know. I'm good at it great but also you are crap crap crap, crap. crap. crap.
1: the effects pedals back oh, oh he's got he's his back. he's got his mic he's got his xlr cable he's got his effects he's back on the scene so henry wheeler you know you pointed out that mez was uh it did his, his sound quality wasn't the best but now it's back full it's raging yeah and it's raging me
0: do you know how much this little xlr to jack cost me marv Go on, then. Tell me. Three sterling English pounds. Oh, go on, the boys. I'll take that. I'd say that any day. I'll that take day. that. Yeah. You um. Go. Yes, we are back. We are doing more of the things you love. It is a bit dark in here at the moment. That is because I put a sheet over my window, because otherwise I would be a pepperami. By the time we finish today. <laughs> so I thought it'd be safe to keep myself, you know, it is warm in here, mind. It is a warm day, I must say. Um, that's why I got the old. That's my Radox. Um, I do have a cherry coke as well. However, <clears throat> you know, it's good to good to drink water. Uh so the cherry coke is more of a more of a what'd you call it? Uh, I'd
1: say it's more uh, of a sweet treat, a delicacy. Yeah. Add yeah, yeah, added we'll it extra.
0: It we'll give it that. Yeah. One. So yes, how, how are you, Marty J.R.? What's on the Dodge?
1: I'm doing all right, buddy. I was currently sipping some water out of my uh, Marv mug. Nice. It's available on our Etsy store. Just type in 50 Waste Podcast on Etsy. You'll get that. Nice. we had a couple of sales recently, so we're going to plug ourselves. Microwavable yeah. safe. Dishwasher safe. Um, there's some tea in that. I should have scrubbed out before my water, but, you know, I live on the bloody edge. I live on the edge, all right?
0: Well, you say they're microwavable, uh, they're microwave safe. However, I had mine in hand and I was drinking from it and the microwave fell off the counter and hit my toe. Oh, so.
1: no. Didn't protect you? Nope. Okay, so we, we can't guarantee that these will save you from microwave-related accidents. But if you've made yourself a hot chocolate, right, and you're like, you go off, you do something else. Love Island's on, you know, X on the beach, on the X lovers on the boat, yacht too, you know, and then you forget about it. it gets a bit cold. You want to pump that bad boy up in the oven, in in the oven, in the oven. You want to put it in the oven, ah, in the microwave. Mez, give me strength. You want to put it in the microwave. Yeah. It's going kind of to look, that face ain't never going to change. All right. And you know it. You can no, get the Mez version.
0: Change my face for you. It's on a mug and it's exclusive to you. Your are you fans of 50 ways? You look just like a bunch of my lads. Let's go. Hey. Yeah, we've got merch. We've got merch coming out of our ears, daddy. Um I still only have the mug. I still only have the T-shirt. I am bearing neither today because <clears throat> it is. Uh, I don't know. I feel like water is very much a a, a glass based beverage. It is. Um, it is. If like I could do a soft drink, I could do a soft drink, and I have before uh, drank cider out of a Sports Direct direct mug. And those uh, mugs are
1: huge. If anyone doesn't know, Sports Direct is a well, it is a big like kind of sports chain shop where you can get like anything from like a cricket ball. So I don't know, three pack Clegg cricket nuts. balls, cleg yeah. nuts, yeah, big old cleg nuts, and yeah. their mugs are absolutely ginormous. They're a pint. Mean. That's like it's like it's missing. Like I only drink wine out of mugs. This one, ha 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 ha. It's like that. That's what of level missing. of yeah. mug. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. The doctor said I could only have one mug of coffee a day. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yes, so, um... but no, the merch is good, I enjoy the merch. Um, I really should have more of it. Oh, I've seen the key rings in person now, they're very cool, very, is kitsch word we like no i don't like that i I don't don't like fashion you know um they're very cool they're very unique they're very different if you're watching the video you'll be able to see myself wiping myself down with a towel uh if you can't see that i've just told you what's going on but it has been a trialing week of challenges of uh a lot of things really marv a lot of things um I don't like to go into too much detail about the particular subject I'm about to raise. And if you are affected by any of the issues raised in this podcast, please feel free to uh, notify your public school or doctor or community service helper um, because I'm not going to help you. Uh, I haven't been well this week. I am better now i uh in fact i've got a very deep voice very deep sort of uh very husky ready i,
1: to... I think it's sexy
0: i mean if you want to call it that i'm not gonna say no yes yeah, so i've not been well i am weller now um i had gastroenteritis Ooh, my least favorite of the itises yeah uh i wouldn't recommend it not it is it's that whole you know when you see like a like a review on facebook and someone puts one star out of five and their comments if i could put no stars i would um (laughs) that's that's where i'm at with that do not recommend it wow very very bad very bad um so i have taken initiative and decision to go vegetarian for a little while see how that goes um, which kind of fits in with the new segment from last week, which we will get on to, but not just now. Yes. Um, Second segment. I like that. Yes. Yes. So uh, You, yeah. you
1: spent a lot of time probably around the toilet area. If everyone knows what gastroenteritis yes. is, we'll try and do a brief summary. It's like a viral infection that goes through your body and your body basically goes, this isn't good. I'm going to reject it as fast as possible. Yep. as humanely as possible yeah through the two main orifices that you know that food loves to go in and out of basically yeah yep. and um yeah james is he's been a trooper you know just because he's drinking out of his iron maiden mug that seems to fit in is appropriate he's drinking his victor of his spoils
0: doesn't look net. like a mug to me
1: well mug glass cup who knows Contator. get him all Get them all on the 50 Ways Podcast Get show. Etsy more kids. Etsy. Link more. is down below, I believe so. But yes, I'm glad that you're well. Mm. You definitely uh you definitely timed it well because we obviously had a weekend of gigs, which were yes. interesting. We had
0: um where were we? We were in Tavistock, weren't we? Uh Saturday, yes. And Friday we were in uh Glastonbury.
1: We where were we... no, we weren't. We we're in Blagdon in Bristol. Blagdon.
0: Black. Like, yeah.
1: This yeah. is now getting to the point where, because we're now, you know, pretty yeah. much back to full gigging again, um, in terms of schedules that we're just gonna forget. Each so one kind of blurs the into the other one, yeah. But they're so both pretty good. Molding. Um, our singer had to isolate. She had like a COVID scare. Um, that one of her housemates um had got the the test and trace app here in England, and it was like you have to isolate for 10 old days. So um this was like two days before the gig or something like that three days before the gig yeah it was brutally close to
0: uh performance day
1: so we had to make sure we were like okay can we find any depths okay this is a bit strange so we managed to cover one friday it was saturday that we were struggling with and at one point the only person that was free was four hours away from bristol and four hours away from the gig so me being the primary van driver, I would have have to have done an eight hour journey there and an eight hour journey back. Uh, I think we finished the gig probably about, I mean, we were leaving at about 1 a.m. So, I mean, you do the math. I'm getting back at 9 a.m. Nah, that's long. That's long. Um Oh, and the first dance that we did on the Friday um was in a South African language. Was that right, Mez? What was the actual name?
0: I believe it was Pular, P-U-U, or it was P. Do you know what I'm not gonna spell it? Go and look it up.
1: <laughs> so our amazing dep, Sophie Griffin, who is gonna give us some Patreon exclusive content. Yeah. Regarding singing yes, competition indeed. albums. Um she did an amazing job and great job. Great job. Smashed it. And we pretty much um it was like us two and then her band plus heart. Yeah. So it was like two versus three. It's really, really strange, but yeah. Um, did a good job. Um, got fair. The bride and groom were lovely. Um, good old time. Everyone was safe. Everyone had the masks on, and we were just making sure we were safe because you know, we don't want to catch it ourselves and then, you know, it's like 10 days of that, or you know, having to be in contact with people. It's very, very hard, but you know, it's each the individual. We're gonna be, I think in three days, England's gonna be relaxing everything. So cases are going up. But hey, you know, yeah, we don't could, love we could, that. Yeah, we could talk forever about that, but Two gigs, went, two gigs went well. We also had a depth vocalist and a depth drummer on the Saturday gig, and they did very, very well. Um, so there you go. I can't complain. Didn't get back at 9 a.m. in the morning. Got back at probably 4, half 4. I'm happy with that.
0: If you've got the option, take it, my man. He knows, he knows. Right, that's a What good you want to know,
1: Big Nose? Ah, oh, I don't have a go at the nose. Come on. Look at that. Look at that's that. a at stigma least... you've had since birth look at that at least it's nice and sculpted on the old on yeah the old we birth. all
0: know why you sculpted it there kiddo
1: <laughs> he's ripping me lead now okay second product on mezz's vegan
0: munch ah right so i did buy something but i also did uh go somewhere today <laughs> as part of my vegetarian vegan initiative but I'm going to mention both uh, because the other thing I have not fully consumed yet, but I have taken a bite because I was hungry. So I finished work this morning. I met my my girlfriend from work. And in between that, I was like, I'm hungry now, but we said we're going to go out and get something to eat, you know, but I'm I'm hungry now. So from Asda, I purchased ginsters again. Oh, he's gone in, gone in again. I purchased a vegan. Now it wasn't called a sausage roll. It was called uh, a corn. Ah, um, uh, it w- it was a sausage roll, but it wasn't. It was vegan corn, basically.
1: Are you talking about the vegan corn sausage roll? But it it wasn't called that. Was it in Was it in puff pastry? Yes. It'd either be called a, ve- a corn vegan roll or a corn vegan sausage roll. I'm, I think I'm it was the first confident. one. Okay, so I think it was the first. For one. lack of a better word, it was a sausage
0: roll, right? Basically, basically, okay. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so first impressions: I had that bite. Uh, the pastry was nice. Again, it was a little bit soggy in places, but it had been in a fridge. And there's no egg in the actual pastry, is there? Or butter? Oh no. So I, I can, I can accept that. However, very, very tasty, very tasty. I was impressed. I thought, you know, I could get into this. Uh, and I have one bite. And after the week I've had, my stomach's still a little bit like, oh. um, <laughs> what's your stomach um, still like?
2: Oh.
0: <laughs> it's very, um, oh. so yeah, um, but I really enjoyed that bite. I was like, this is, this is top stuff. Like I'm enjoying this very, very tasty. And I'm starting to think that I don't need to pacify my hunger with animal products. That thought is in my brain. Now I'm like, I don't need to, to eat a kebab to be satisfied anymore.
1: I don't need
0: a big old pile of fried chicken to satiate my need for sustenance. There
1: you go. It's just, it's the flavor that you like, you know, this I'm not, I'm I mean. not going to go on a vegan Tyro, but it's the flavor that you yeah. like more than, you know, if you would eat unflavored, plain chicken breast, no seasoning, no oil, no oh, hang on. It. Yeah, it. it wouldn't taste as good. You chuck no. some barbecue sauce on that. You got yourself a nice meal, but I'm saying that's, that's what go. it is. That's what it this is.
0: This is, this is the point. So in light of, because the other thing was, it, it could have been food poisoning, what I had as well. The the symptoms are very closely linked. Um. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I'm going to give that a seven and a half. I was going to go eight, but I haven't finished it yet.
1: Is that above or below the peppered steak? I believe the peppered steak was a seven. Oh, so we've pushed up. We've got a new so front a, runner. All right. Sausage little, roll, yeah. then pasty.
0: So... We went to Grounded, and as I said, I'm making a real effort right now to not consume animal products. Now, not necessarily vegan, because I did have butter today. Uh, I had the veggie breakfast from Grounded. Have you ever had that, Marv?
1: I think I have had the veggie one before I went vegan, but I've also had the vegan breakfast from Grounded, and I think it's stellar. I think it's up there with some of the best vegan breakfast you can get.
0: See, this is the thing, because I was looking at both options, and I thought, I really can't decide. The only real difference that I could see there was going to be was maybe a different ingredient in the sausages. No, there would be vegan spread on the toast instead of butter. And um, there would be um, no eggs, obviously. Mm. But I went for the veggie. Um and I was not disappointed. Now, I'm a big lad. I like to eat when I go out. Didn't finish it. Couldn't wow. finish it. The sausages were a little bit squishy. But you know what? They're vegetables. They're not going to maintain as good uh, a solid sort of structure as a sausage. Mm. So I'm going to waylay that. <laughs> they get a pass. Uh, yeah. The fried potatoes were delicious. The hash browns were delicious. Uh, mushrooms cooked to perfection. Um, the toast was really, really good, actually, as well. Uh, and the eggs were great. I would have liked a runny egg, but you can't have it all, can you, kid? I mean,
1: if only you could, eh? If only you could.
0: There you go. And I had a latte with almond milk.
1: Oh, how was that? Some people find almond milk to be a bit bitter. They like oat because it's a bit creamier. I'm, yes. I'm an almond guy myself.
0: See, if the option of coconut was there, I would have taken it because coconut milk seems to really, but it's very fattening. That's the only thing. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed the latte. Uh, there was a slight aftertaste, but it wasn't unpleasant. There was no bitterness that I could taste, which I like um breakfast overall uh it wasn't the cheapest breakfast i've ever had but i've always found that if you spend more than a fiver it's gonna be good i'm gonna give the breakfast an overall a seven. Oh, it's joint second because joint second i enjoyed the sausages but they could have been you know a little bit more in terms of um uh what's the word i'm looking for not yeah texture a little bit more in terms of texture there's got to be some, some bit, that they can do with that. A bit more solid, a bit more kind of uh
1: springy is what I like to think. That's um, the one. Yeah. Were they, were they sausages
0: that were made of like potato and peas or was it actually like a soy based sausage? Uh, good question. Uh, the only thing I really saw in there, your draw was going to drop, uh, was a little bit of broccoli that ran mm. throughout the sausage.
1: Sounds like a vegetable sausage yes. made of vegetables so yes. maybe if they were to swap to like um a richmond sausage if you have never tried the richmond meat-free sausages they are no. so good honestly are they I think good yeah i think they're cheap right now Ooh. get them and you that would change your mind you'd be there, like this is amazing mm, okay so, okay a tip for me for me potential <laughs> on this on this podcast vegan journey you might be seeing the start of Mes never eating meat again. It's a big, Potential. big claim. You never it know. Is. It only takes one drunken night out on the old fat And they say, mate, mate, garlic, mate, mate, you got any garlic, mate, for my kebab goons. <laughs> uh, which is probably an actual quote that you've done, that we've both done.
0: More than likely. All I'm going to say is this No money, no, no honey. honey, no honey. No honey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you were there, you were there. If you're listening, you're listening. I like that. Anyways, let's get stuck in, Mes. So I want to get stuck yes. into this. So yes, We are enough doing about- enough about food and COVID and, I don't know, Riff Lord stuff. It's what it is. Um, oh, I've got one more comment from Walton. So I actually liked that. Here we go. He said, I'm sorry, more fact checking because obviously I was saying you and the whole podcast. Sorry, Owen Quick. Um, Little Mix were the first group to win X Factor, but your point holds true. Winners rarely have the successful career. And yep. that's why I love the Walton, you know, he's, he busts your balls. You need someone to bust your balls. All right. Yeah. 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 But it
0: gets results. He pulls no punches. And you know what? We need to be on that because when we've eventually, and it will happen, let's be honest, when we've got 15,000 followers and millions of listens, there you go. that's when we're going to, we're going to need to be on it. Then we might even get Sam Walton to do a little proof. Listen, a little, a little pre, just like, this is good, but everything about it is wrong. So you need to record <laughs> the whole lot.
1: Um, I tell you what we should do. Let's hire him as the guy who actually does all the info for us. We turn up and we just write it, you know, read it off the thing. Bing, bang, yes. boom. We look smart and cool and clever. Yes. Okay. What one in the back? We can pay him off. What should we? Oh, wait. Do we need to pay him? Should we... Free merch. Free merch. Free, free merch. merch. Free merch. Okay. There you go i like that i like that which this this ties into the album that i've done today where you just turn up you do your thing and you go home but yeah. we're doing the main songwriter leaves that is the title of this one that is the excuse the reason why you might hate an album because again it can be very very uh I don't know sometimes i forget that that's what we're doing sometimes it's like we're doing albums that either i just generally hated or we yes. are trying to make a case. We pick one and we go like, well, this was successful in this thing or this thing and this quadrant uh, or, the, or the perception or the lens you want to put it, but I'm kind of making a case that, you know, actually it might not be good to its detriment. So yes. Um, yeah. But then when the main songwriter leaves, you know, um, what happens does the band happens to us all? It's definitely happened to us uh, in bands. I think it happened to yeah. me first year of uni and, um, and what happened was, was the singer, I think we chucked out the singer, uh, and she was a lyricist. Well, just so, in the bin? Just in the bin, yeah, we chucked in the bin. Um, obviously <laughs> Amicable and all that stuff. So yeah. it was left with just the instrumentalist, four of us, and our other guitar player had to be like, okay, I'm going to sing and I'm going to write lyrics. Um, so we written all of these songs. I think it was a good, like, 10 or 12 pretty much fully formed ideas definitely had a good half hour set That was a good opener set um it didn't go anywhere which is frustrating that was kind of my uni experience from like a playing point of view in bands is that all the bands and projects i was in didn't go anywhere or did a couple of gigs and that was it um yeah yeah so yes um I seen then the kind of impact of that as making my thing of like, okay, yeah, you need a kind of sing it to write lyrics. That makes sense. I was, I was really just getting my feet grounded in terms of writing songs instead of just going, here's a riff, here's a riff, here's a riff. Um, that was quite fun for me, but you know, Mez any experience with that when the main songwriter leaves a project?
0: Um, yes and no. Um, I've had it a couple of times. Um, One time when the main songwriter did leave, um, I left with the main songwriter. And uh we 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 were heading towards something a bit different, a bit heavier, but it never really uh came to anything. Um just due to differences, due to getting under each other's feet, irritating each other, and my classic nature of being one of the most irritating men on earth. Um, but you know. Time passes, things move on, things come into fruition. Um, and whenever I hear that phrase, all I can hear is Jason Newstead saying about his project after Metallica coming into fruition. Um, which um yeah, it wasn't really for me. But he enjoyed it, so I let him be the king of the underdogs. Um I am but- <laughs> Why are you the bassist and the biggest metal band in the world, and you're calling yourself the king of the underdogs? <laughs> get on, son. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a very topsy turvy world we live in. You kind of get to a point where you're just like, well, it, it, it gets frustrating at times, but at the same time, you just you, you just roll with the punches. <clears throat> That was around the time that I started seriously questioning my ability and my identity as a musician. And it seems to have worked out. So I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to bitch and moan about it. You just crack on. But yeah, I've experienced that. Uh, I experienced it a couple of years ago as well. It gets frustrating because you put so much work in. You just put my heart and soul into it. And it, it, it just kind of, oh yeah, I'm I'm not going to do this now which is a person's choice you understand but also there is a little part of you going oh like come on is it you know did i not shower enough do i smell do i not write good enough is that uh, that the first thing you think of do i not shower enough I'm, i'm just i'm just talking like your confidence does take a knock because you again i think you start to question yourself as a musician and it's like what could i have done to make that person stay it's almost like breaking up like a relationship in real life you really is yeah you you question your integrity and your charisma is there more i could have done in the way of that is it definitely uh all my fault is it the other person's fault you know there's a number of number of things to go by and they say uh being in a band with someone is like being married but closer and i can honestly say in my five years experience of being a professional musician earning money uh yes it is it absolutely is you learn things about people that you wouldn't normally you spend time with people in the most unusual and precocious of times but it is um it's rewarding it's just those moments isn't it where it's just kind of like oh they're off then but you know everybody's got their own journey and everybody needs to make that journey count for them and that's the important thing to remember but yes i have experienced that and i do know the frustrations of it so i know where you're coming from
1: nice nice and again sometimes they're a blessing. Sometimes they're a curse. Sometimes you're onto a good thing and then someone leaves and you're kind of left devastated and people just don't pick up the pieces or they don't yeah. have the skills to kind of carry on or it happens and you go, Oh, that was the problem. Why? And you go on to better success or, yeah. you know, it's like the first scenario, but instead of going, well, that's it then that's the old band on the scrap heap. You go, you know what? I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to get better. I'm going to take over here. And then it goes on to someone like this. So, I think a case in point there for a recent example, something like Paramore. So their main songwriter, Josh Farrow, who was the guitar player left in 2010 with his brother, who was the drummer, Zach. And it was just left to three people. Now they could have easily just stopped. Then they were kind of, to me, I think their best album was that. Um, I always forget. Cause I always say behind brides, it's brand new eyes, which is kind of the epitome of their pop punk power pop. Uh, sound that they kind of really crafted and they proved they want a one hit wonder with misery business and the, the, the right album and it sounded very mature for their age and it was like yeah you can kind of put them alongside acts like fallout boy and panic at a disco and even weezer like they kind of stood up against those kind of things um but then when josh farrow left it's kind of like oh okay we've got nobody to write songs now this is kind of hard so instead of them kind of crumbling taylor york who was was in the band, but then I think had to go back to school to finish his exams on the first album, then came back as a touring member. Now then was a full member. It was like, right, I'm going to have to lock myself away and write songs. So he did exactly that in the same style as Josh, that kind of power pop pop punky kind of stuff. Um, But you know, coming from a different angle, a little bit, little bit different, which culminated in their self titled 2013's Paramore, which kind of echoed the similar you know power pop stuff but had a lot more pop into a lot more synth and there was little glimmers of like his songwriting techniques and they were they went big ain't ain't it fun was huge um he said that in about half an hour he said the speaker was on like water bottles or something like just in the hotel room all that wood shedding has paid off um and then you get to some like after laughter 2017 where they've gone full 80s synth pop new wave you know completely different almost a different band but their dna is there the backbone of who they are is there their dna their skeleton you know of what paramore are are there and to me i think it's probably their best work it still sounds like paramore even that they've just taken away the guitars they've just put in synths um i think taylor york's arrangements and progressions and the way he plays guitar and where it fits is amazing um and that album was like that good that people, I was hearing the phrase around me. I didn't think that I'd be someone who would actually like Paramore, but here I am. And then going to see them. So we've seen them at Colson Hall. It was all just like teenage girls going mad, but we were just there in the middle, jumping up and down. And it was so good. They were so professional, so tight. Um, at one point, Haley Williams like looked up, spat in the air, and it landed right on her face. And she was like, just spat on myself so i thought that was really really cool that she's just so humble on that and yeah taylor played amazingly all these like clean seemingly simple lines that maybe aren't impressive but then you put it in a live scenario and you're like yeah he's consistent he's very very consistent but then again they've been playing for what 15 years i mean they're only like 31 32 now it's mad and he's gone on to do producing and things like that so to me that's a good recent example um I could go on about, you know, you don't know. Oh yeah, couldn't you? I could bleed and go on, I'm gonna, yeah? You don't know what you've got till it's gone. Look at the Beatles, right? The Beatles, right? That band, you know that band, right? Lennon, McCartney, Ringo and George, yeah? They all work together well. Now, I look at my notes. It becomes very evident they need all four of them to kind of get the masterpieces to actually like do these classic works that they're known for. Not to say that their solo work is terrible. Their solo work is it's terrific at times. Like almost just as good as the Beatles stuff, if not better. you know, personal taste, but, you know, look at their solo works. You've got Lennon's introspective and raw writing style combined with McCartney's methodicism and composure. Um, you get some of the most renowned and innovative uh, and celebrated music of all time. Look at Revolver and Sergeant Pepper, where like their collaborative efforts really were. I mean, they were starting to kind of uh, branch out at that point. But then when you get them together, I'm only sleeping here, there, and everywhere. Um, you know, where Paul McCartney's waiting for John Lennon to wake up and like let's write, let's write a song, John. And then they do. Um, a Day in the Life is the perfect collaborative between them two. Really, really shows. Um, whereas if John Lennon had the full control of that song. It wouldn't be the masterpiece that it was. Same the other way around. Um Harrison's musical contributions, um, especially guitar work-wise, and like chord knowledge and chord uh combinations and progressions-wise. Um where are I? and his spiritual journey definitely led into the Beatles kind of work. And you, you know, they wouldn't be the Beatles if it wasn't for that. Um, I think Ringo as well, providing the perfect drum parts and the fact that he kind of wrote he kind of rewrote rock and roll standards i think that kind of helped to be honest with you yeah um, absolutely octopus's garden mess talk to me
0: <laughs> it for a time was my favorite beatles tune um i mean ah oh, oh, just lovely it's just lovely um it, it it just it's it's. i remember you telling me once um a critic ugh, leaves a leaves a bad taste in me mouth that. Um once said it's a poor man's yellow submarine. And I kinda get that. But I see um Octopus's Garden as to be I don't know. I feel like I feel like it takes on its own uh character. Whereas Yellow Submarine is much more of a a chant along, you know, it's a it, it's a lot simpler to my mind. Uh not only that, but Octopus's Garden features a solo from from the fabulous george harrison um which is perfect it's perfect in every way the phrasing the scale he's using it's, it's ever so simple but it's just so it, it's that sort of thinking that obviously leads him to do solos like something yeah uh which is which phew, i i need i give you any intro but you know it, it's uh yeah octopus's garden i think it's fabulous i think it's wonderful uh i think it should get a lot more credit than it deserves but No, let me say that again i think it should get it deserves a lot more credit than it gets but not in the area of oh isn't that such a lovely song but in terms of like i think it should be taken seriously like a lot of the beatles stuff i think it should be taken seriously and not put in the same column as yellow submarine but um i am one man you know that's that's just my thing i'm still hung up on um an old bloody uh, in my life, to be honest with you. Oh, um, it's fabulous. Dream. Just fabulous.
1: You know, what I think is a very underrated Ringo song. It go don't on. come easy, which was that written is... for him by George Harrison. Oh,
0: that's great.
1: Very, very, very good. Song. If you want to, if you want to start of any Ringo solo work, I go there because his solo work is so fun and just breezy yeah. and easy. And then you look at the other side and it's Lennon, just like primal screaming about his mother and, it's just a lot to deal with, you know, and you kind of got things in between George Harrison's look into kind of spirituality and yeah, questioning yeah. life. Paul McCartney's kind of jauntiness and just ease of composition, uh, whether good or bad, but they were never as good as they were when they were together. And obviously we didn't get that because of the tragic assassination of John Lennon, 1980. Um, so yeah, that's what we're kind of looking at really is like when your main songwriter leaves, what do you do? Especially when you've got a label going by by contract. If you don't make an album or oh, look, it says you have to make it here. doesn't really matter. Um, please make one. You go, well, you've got to do that. Or you've got the ego to go. I don't need that other person that writes the lyrics for me or writes, the, <laughs> yeah. writes the music for me. I'm blah, blah, blah. I can do whatever I want. You know, maybe what that's do, what do they even do? Exactly. 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 So maybe this is what both of ours have an element of, but Mez, you're going to go first because I'm going to let you go first. What have you picked for us today, for example?
0: Well, to be quite honest with our viewers and listeners at home, I had no idea what I was going to do up until this week. Uh, I was going to pick uh, the album that uh, Meatloaf did without Jim Steinman, but I've already done Meatloaf. And I do love meatloaf, but I like to I like to do different things.
1: Are we going to do the vegetarian
0: joke here? But I only like nut roast. now. there so.
1: we go. There we go. Good old nut roast. Meatless yeah, meatloaf.
0: Meatless. The art. The artist formerly known, <laughs> you know as, known as meatloaf. <laughs> meatless. Nice. Yeah, meatloaf. The artist formerly known as mints. Because. Eh, yep. ah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, if anyone go. wants to pay for us to have comedic uh, lessons or <laughs> biased dad jokes, or just basically send uh, us funny jokes that we can actually do so people actually laugh because yeah we don't laugh at each other anymore because we just hate each no, other. Um, no, yeah, go on, go on our Patreon. Um, give us your money. We, we'll money, have a look. Money, money, money. DM us. DM us your best joke. Yeah, nice and clean. The the daddest joke the better. Right. And not in a spiritual way. I mean, it's like the daddiest joke. All right. Tell me what you got, Walton. Because I know you'd like to comment. Oh, uh, yeah. You give me your best joke now. All right. And I'll yes. give you 50,000.
0: What? Okay. Carry on, mess, Go on, mess. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a dad joke. And then we're going in. Okay. If you're drowning and your life flashes before your eyes, pay close attention to the bit about swimming lessons. So, this week I chose Rude Box by Robbie Williams. Now, everybody does the same thing. Oh, uh, no. Everybody does the same thing.
1: Oh, it's a doozy. Oh,
0: uh, no. Robbie, why? So, Rude Box, released in 2006. It had five singles which I think is quite large. Quite big, quite a lot. That's a but lot. Who That's a lot. To say? Yeah, it's a lot of singles. Uh, <clears throat> the first being "Root Box, of course. Oh. We then have Kiss Me, Love Light, Bongo Bong, and Je Ne T'aime Plus. <laughs> and She's Madonna. Not Lady Madonna, not to be confused. That's um, true. Yes, so uh, the reviews I got were overall good. Believe it or not, that's what I found. Overall good. Uh, did vary quite a lot. Uh, quite a lot. Um, obviously, this is this is the album he released after Escapeology and Intensive Care, which were both, uh, from what I can remember, quite critically acclaimed. Um, good albums. Uh, I have listened to them over time because our dear Max is an enormous Robbie Williams fan, but yes. So I'm going to read out all the professional ratings. Uh, Marty J is going to love this. So we've got all music four out of five stars. We've got BBC music favorable. We've got mojo. Four out of five stars. We've got the enemy, eight out of ten stars. Eight out of ten. That's more yeah. than that's more than a vegan ginsters yep. peppered steak, that is. Yeah. Pop matters, seven out of ten. And this this is annoying because I've got to like lean into my screen because the stars are so small. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven out of ten stars on Yahoo Music UK and then we have now now 3 out of 5 then we have music omh 2 out of 5 oh. the guardian 2 out of 5 um the observer 2 out of 5 so it's varied mate but that like that the overall general feeling is that this is a good album so According to review aggregator Metacritic, Rubebox received an average of 53 out of 100, indicating mixed or average reviews from music critics based on reviews from 12 critics. I've said it twice. I need to brush my teeth. <laughs> right in the album, 8 out of 10, the enemy wrote, luckily, Rubox is the best thing he's ever put his name to.
1: Absolutely no way.
0: Adding that... There's the double-headed autobiography of the 80s, currently at the center of a legal dispute, and its follow-up, the 90s, the clattering Vogue rap in the LA tale, The Actor, and She's Madonna, possibly his most bonkers song ever. Julie Broadfoot of BBC Music. There are a couple of tracks that wash over you, but the album's a grower, and some of the hooks will follow you around for hours. Good Doctor... A tongue-in-cheek take on drugs has bags of energy. And Stephen Duffy, Kiss Me, is brilliant. She's Madonna. I love you, baby, but face it, she's Madonna is a weird but fun tune about Queen Madge. Not Queen Mags. No, no, not our Uh, dear Queen Mags, unfortunately for her. Now, this album did not do terribly. I'm going to find my picture because for some reason this old clever lad didn't put it in his Word document. Oh, no. oh, no. good, But it's okay because I know exactly where it is. So uh, where are we? Come on, Mess. This is pro, isn't it?
1: <laughs> good uh, content. you got to have good content. Good
0: content. I love that. It's not in here. What is well, it I, in I
1: can jump in if you like.
0: No, 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 no. Hang on, oh. hold the phone. F- Actually, yeah, go on, Joe kid.
1: doesn't want to hear me talk. I have discussions here. I, have,
0: I, have I mean, I, I don't want to hear you talk at all. It that is
1: harsh. Not. That is harsh. This album, I remember when it came out, I remember seeing the Rude Box video and going, why is Robbie Williams rapping? Uh-huh. What is going on? This is utter rubbish. And 15 years later, I listened to Rude Box and I go, this is fascinating, but yep. f- still for the same reasons that I'm like, why is Rory Williams rapping? Who told him he could rap? Who said it was a good idea? Um, I have no idea. I believe okay. this was the time that he got a massive, massive recording contract. We'll...
0: Mm, wow. Mm, <laughs> well, go on, carry on
1: yeah the sheer amount of rapping on this is just very very strange and it kind of ranges from like i guess like serious attempts at rapping that are kind of i put it more like the happy monday's 90s kind of uh british dance okay house kind of uh style of rapping okay yeah um and then just weird like almost parodies of rap that he's doing himself even though he's a parody of rap it's really really strange and just,
0: I like. I like that. Yeah, okay.
1: just, just doesn't work. But I think "Love Light" is actually quite a good song. That's that to me is the only like not saving grace of the album, but like the only kind of credible song where I'm like, okay, I would I would listen to that if given the chance. Um, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it's incredibly dated now. I yes. don't think it was so much dated then. No, but <clears throat> just that style of synth and drum machines and yeah, just. Data production and all of that kind of thing. It really doesn't happen oh, yeah. 15 years later. So I think the album is kind of lost in its time. And then you get something like Candy, which is off, you know, resulting albums, much better. But Guy Chambers, who is the guy who writes with Robbie Williams, sorely, sorely missed. And he should have come back yeah. after this one.
0: Yeah. So I found my charts picture. Yes, I do agree with you, Marv. But we'll get to Mez's uh, points shortly. Mez's cheeky take. That's the one. So, this album peaks in more countries than you think it does. And it peaks at number one in more countries than you think it does. It peaks at number one in... Oh, sorry. In Australia. Argentina, Austria, um, the European top 100 albums, Finnish albums, French albums, German albums, Italian albums, Mexican albums, Swiss albums, and UK albums. Number three, we have Belgian albums. We have French albums, uh, a different uh, take on it, I think, or something or another. I don't know um we have hungarian albums we have yeah that's all of them um <laughs> uh, it does appear in two on quite a few but my absolute favorite is polish albums chart 23 uh, so at that can't time at that time poland was uh pumping out some bangers yes so this album intrigued me very much so very much so In the UK alone, it sold 54,667 copies, which isn't, like, big, big. It's a lot. It has a lot of albums to sell, but I wouldn't call it, like... Obviously, it's not gone platinum, has it? No. Um, It's not even gone
1: gold, is that right? I think it's all changed now because of the... It has to even out you know, to how many people are actually buying albums these days, yeah. which seems, seems to be the conjecture is nobody buys albums anymore. Um, and I think the sometimes, landscape. but this is mid mid noughties, wasn't it? This is after yeah, Napster 2006.
0: This was, yeah. Yeah. So yes, as we know, Rude Box is the seventh studio album by Robert Williams. I believe his middle name is, uh, Peter. Um, Released in 2006, it features two guest appearances from the Pet Shop Boys. Um, it was produced by a variety of producers. Do not let me pass that phrase by without letting you know that there is no way you could. Variety does not explain the amount of producers that is on this album. Uh, Variety, to me, is like, oh, one or two. No. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of producers on this album. A lot. Uh, Including Mark Ronson. He Um, was a producer on it. Soul Mechanic, who I've definitely heard of before. Pet Shop Boys. uh, Jerry Meehan. That's a name I've heard before. Meehan. And you've also got some guest appearances as well. Lily Allen provides backing vocals on Bongo Bong, which is what I'm going to call it from now on, and Keep On. Um, She's Madonna was the centre of a tabloid storm after Ashley Hamilton claimed he came up with part of that song, uh, and wasn't credited, obviously. But yeah, so, my impression, I think this album sounds like a Robbie Williams album. Interesting. It's got tongue-in-cheek, there's a lot of like poppy sounds. It's a vast collection of instruments used on this album as well. Real and um, like um, gridded. There's a lot of stuff. Um, and it all lends to his sound, I think. I think this album, it, I, I think it was one of those ones where it was like, here's a bit of a weird one, but I kind of had to do it and I've done it now. And I, I, I think it helped. I think it helped him. I think it's uh, it's good that he did it, definitely. Uh, I think some of the l- lyrics are a bit weird and a little bit cringy at times. Definitely. Again, um, sometimes even just not very good, <laughs> you know. Um, but I think it does work overall. However, I would like to say that this is one of the few albums you can genuinely say that you prefer the deep cuts on the album to the singles. That's a weird one for me. That's one of the first albums I've discovered where I've been like, eh, the singles don't really cut the mustard for me here, but the deep cuts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially from a, a, a pop artist doing a pop record. Yeah. Like the, 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 you know, the aim of the game is for the singles to be the thing that you listen to all the time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But this is obviously <clears throat> the reason why we do this anyway. Rootbox is not for me. Like as an album track, this is not really. However, I watched a performance during the um close encounters tour. I wasn't there. I watched it on YouTube. <laughs> I just like to add, I went back in time uh, and I thought, what can I use this for? I can only do it once. Let's go and see Robbie Williams in 2006 live in concert. There you go, kid. Um, no, I watched. I watched the video, and it goes off, mate. I don't know how. I don't it goes know off, how. and do you know what? I think. I think it. I think it goes off as a live as a like live. I think it does with his with his uh, very sort of swaggered arrogance. Um, his his charisma the way he puts himself forward as a performer i think it works
1: do you think that this album is more of the tongue-in-cheek and the kind of silliness or things like that come across better live rather than on a record is that maybe like the fault of this record
0: i think maybe um but there are other moments anyway we are going to do a james merritt reads lyrics
1: nice i was craving this for this album
0: um because rude box has some absolute stonking lyrics
1: rude box could have its very own episode dedicated yeah. to the lyrics
0: yeah absolutely so <clears throat> let's talk about what a rude box could be now as we've said before this is a family show so i'm just going to say rude box listeners decide yourself shake your rude box. Do the rude box. Shake your rude box. So there's, it's a bit higgledy-piggledy, this verse. Back to basics. Grab your shell toes and your fat laces. A little hand, well, a little hand clap for some funk faces. He's clearly going, what rhymes with laces? Uh, faces. Okay, yeah. A little, a little hand clap for some, some think faces funk oh yeah because that sounds like yeah yeah yeah, yeah okay um pl- faces uh tastes uh races uh, places, places places yeah, yeah let's um, do places yeah, yeah yeah and make your body move in the fo- in in make your body make make something move. make your body move in the following places there we go okay uh now we can change it now we can not worry about the rhyme at all goes up your back and then down your spine and when it hits your head.
1: Okay, so you've gone up, you've gone down, and then it's just gone screw that, I'll just go straight for the head.
0: Yeah, and on top of that, it doesn't rhyme uh, when I read it out loud like that, it doesn't follow like any sort of rhythmic pattern. A root um, box doesn't
1: have to rhyme. This is the beauty of, it's of root said box. root box. Yeah, it can exactly. be things, it can be described mm. as things.
0: Um, and then we've got alright, I want to start the next section of the verse, similarly to how I did before, but I don't want basics again.
1: What could I mm, let me uh have a think, Robbie, have a thing. What
0: what a nuanced way could you do it? I could uh so basics, bass. What do, what do you call someone who enjoys like like drum and bass, Marv, or like or like music or what or shall uh, I just invent something? Uh, I think I think if you can't think of any words, just try and invent some, of it, mate. Yeah, what yeah, what, okay. what are you thinking? Uh, base heads.
1: or base heads.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. I uh, quite like. Okay, then back to base heads. There we go. Uh, here's my first flag. Uh, it is a red one. Dance like you just won at the Special Olympics. Uh... Not loving that. Not loving that, Robert. Ooh. Come on, kid uh yeah there's some more sort of stuff that doesn't really make sense it doesn't really go anywhere and then we've got he spells Rube box out one of my favorite lines in fact i'm gonna read all of this <laughs> might as well the r-u-d-e-b-o-x i would just like to point out that we are probably not even 30 seconds in And the title of the song's been mentioned. One, two, three, four, five, six times. Wow. Yes. Up your jacksy, split your kecks. (laughs) That is
1: something that even you would say in normal everyday speech.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sing a song of Semtex. Now, do you know what Semtex is, Marv? I don't know. Uh, Semtex, unless I'm very much uh, mistaken, is a type of explosive. Uh, um, a little bit like C4, but it's not. I mean, I'm sure there's someone listening now going, "No!" So he's blowing it up.
1: That's what he's. Tra- that's what he's trying to imply. He's
0: blowing it up. Pocket full of Durex, body full of Mandrax. Are we going to have sex? Yes. <laughs> Do you wear your knee socks? Oh. Back to the root box seven times, not even in a chorus yet. <laughs> got this double fantasy where we just never stop. I've got one design and that's to funk you. to uh, the top. Uh, he's, uh, he's flirting it. He's flirting he with is. it. Eh? He's playing with that he's word. Clever. That's funk twice as well. Know what's on my mind. It's only one thing you will find. I got one design and that's to bump you till you drop
1: oh oh i don't like that that's, that's a bit no elbow yeah a bit elbowy a bit pg bit clang-y. i'm i'm annoyed that he hasn't said like i'll rude your box you know give me your rude box like he's well you know what i'm saying or am well, i am i jumping the gun here
0: uh i you might not be but um we're, we're getting... There's, there's there's a bit more. Come to, on, man. Uh, rude box me.
1: Give me the rude box now.
0: There's a bit more to do. So we've got the rude box, the nasty, la, 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 whatever. That's the chorus, by the way. I'm just skirting over that. I can't be Why bothered. Why are you so nasty? Okay, then. Back to spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> Straight in, Rob. I love Doesn't you.
1: even rhyme. He's just got uh, him something different. They basics.
0: Base heads Spaceship. There we go. Take both pills. F word, the matrix. Oh, he's taking on the matrix now. Jack those jills, shake your playtex. Rock three stripes, not the A6. He spells out Adidas old school because it's the best. Yes. (laughs) TK Maxx cost less. Yes. That's my favorite line. Why is that even in there? Great, isn't it? And then we got a swipe at the king of pop. Oh no. Jackson looks a mess. Bless. Aww. I don't like that, Rob. Until you make thriller, mate. Back off. Oh, uh, this is this is where it gets a little bit cringy because he steals from my favorite rapper. And he uses uh it's three times it happened. Here we go, then. Here we go. Okay, then what to do? If you try to jack me, I'll rude box you. And if you listen to this next line, it's not in time. Not even in the song. If you rude box me, I'll re. Oh,
2: God.
1: Go on. You've got this take two. Let's go. Rude box.
0: If you rude box me, I'll rude box your whole crew. Now, when he sings it if you root box me I'll root box your whole cr- it like trails off a little bit at a time and I'm like you're better than this Robbie cause it's what I do ain't that right boo true
1: oh, did the stain uh, in your face right there
0: uh, I heard that and I was like oh mate <laughs> yeah and then we've got uh more sexual innuendo i'll ride it with you if you can get me to the border because the sheriff's after me for what i did to his daughter that's oh. like that's like uh international. yeah oh nah.
1: this rue box is more you know more annoyance than it's worth i don't want a root box i don't want to be a rue box i don't want to give anyone a root box or perform rue box on Oh, just, I mean, he's just, he's telling all the ways that it's bad. It's like a talk to Frank. Let's talk literally, to Robbie. Yeah, literally. Just, I yeah. don't
0: want it. I Here's another one that he's just blatantly stolen.
2: And mess is back. There we go.
1: Uh, did you hear that last bit? No, all I heard was, and this is the last something
0: something. So I think this is the last thing he steals. Where does he steal this from? Marv, I did it like this. You did it like that. That's from that Pharrell song. You gotta lie there. Yeah, you gotta lie it there. Yeah. Yeah, that's... And then he does another bit about Double Clap. Oh. Also, there are too many lyrics in this song. Too many. But that's what a Rubebox does. I don't take it seriously. Because I, I I, think it is. I think he's taking the mic. I think he's going, yeah, do a bit of this and a bit of that. and. <sighs> But the, the problem
1: I've then got with that, this is like the opening track. So again, not yep. track two, yep. which bruised the whole thing nope. of, if it was track two, it would be a much better single. That Then he's then doing what I claim to be serious attempts at rapping throughout the other songs. So you've kind of set it up to be like this tongue in cheek thing. You've made up what box is and never heard it before or since. And then like all these weird sentiments where you're kind of like, okay, this is just really, really corny. But then you're trying to do, continually do rapping throughout all these other songs, with yep. a bit more of a meaningful message about drugs or about fame and all these things, or the 80s and the 90s, and it just you just can't yep. get over it because you're there like you're the root box guy, and again this is yes. like that was what happened. He was like you're the root box guy. It was almost like it was going to tarnish his whole kind of legacy. Yep.
0: No, I quite agree. The uh, I I had a similar issue. I was just kind of like, ah, oh, this does suck a bit. It's not. Uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, like I said, I don't think it's an album track. Uh, I don't think. <clears throat> I actually think it would be better if it were just a jam, if it was just a little like an in joke with Robbie Williams fans. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than an actual song that has been produced to death and it doesn't even sound really that good. It, I mean, it does, but it's dated. Um, it's just not, oh, I don't cut the mustard, do it kid. You know what I mean? If I listened to that back in the studio, there's a part of me that probably would have gone. Um, yeah. Maybe not such a good idea. Yeah. Um, it's, it's,
1: it's weird. Cause you look back on this time, it's only 15 years ago and you think, well, that's not too far away, but really, Pop Dang. was pop was changing. You know, you had real instruments playing these kind of rockier songs. Guitar was very, very present. Piano was very, yeah. very, very present. It was still like a 70s aesthetic, really, or even a 90s aesthetic. Um, but then yeah. suddenly what happened was like Black Eyed Peas were a very big band. They kind of perpetrated this change of like pop rap, safe kind of pop rap that Will Smith was kind of an innov- innovator of. Um and that everyone kind of followed suit. So I think here you're starting to see this thing of like, well, okay, it sounds really dated now. You could make the argument that it was dated when it came out, but it wasn't. This was what pop was like. turning into, especially in the late noughties, early 2010s. So ahead of its time, definitely. Maybe that I, you know, I know I'm kind of trying to sum up a conclusion here, but my initial thing was like, well, maybe give them some rude box, but maybe pepper it out with what you're kind of used to, what fans are used to with you be before. Then, you know, just kind of leak it in and then maybe. But that's easy to predict when you know how pop music went, not in 2006.
0: Hindsight's twenty twenty. That's all you've got to remember. I mean, <clears throat> who, who would know exactly where the trends would go, you know, what would be popular? Uh, I think there are a select few that do know. That influence those decisions that go release that that'll be enormous, um, especially now when you think about pop music as it's being released now, it's very very different to how it was even even five years ago. I'd I'd go go towards saying you know yeah, it's very much, very different. much, <laughs> um, not not like universes away, but I, I I firmly believe the music evolves and it moves and it changes and we take influence and reference. Um, everything comes full circle. It's like when you listen to uh, stuff like, um, like the One Direction stuff, yeah, that are blatantly lifted things from like Queen, the Beatles, Def Leppard. You can hear it in the music, and it it feeds back through. And normally, I like if I'd have heard that and made that connection when I was younger, when I was at college, I would have gone, that's disgraceful. But now, as we've said before, it's the, the the Greta Van Fleet effect. Oh, listen to this song, it's great. Or they've got it on. And the parents go, hang on a minute. That sounds like this. Dad puts it on, mum puts it on. These are amazing. All of a sudden, Queen got a new fan. The Beatles got a new fan. You know what I mean? That's how, And, and uh, it's important that we do that. It's also yeah. important to credit your artist, kids. There you go. Otherwise, Mr. Man's coming for you. And I don't mean me. I mean a big scary man in a funny white wig.
1: And he'll come and he'll re-box you and your whole crew. re You'll wish
0: you'd been boxed <laughs> But anyway, yeah. I think it's quite varied in genre, this album. Uh, the tune Good Doctor is pretty much an RB tune it's nice and backed off. There's a lovely little backbeat going on. It's real instruments. There's an organ in there. I'm like, I was listening to it. Like this is on the same album as Rude Box. <laughs> What's like, you can hear Robbie coming through. I'm like this. These are the moments where I'm like, this sounds like a Robbie Williams album. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, he's just, it's presumably about just taking pills Hills in general, party, and you know what I mean? Uh, But it has a nice flow to it. It was enjoyable. It was an enjoyable listen. I was like, this is good. In contrast to Bloody Root Box. (laughs) But I also think there's like a rude, like a raw, rough honesty to this album as well. Now, we've spoken about this before with John Lennon singing about getting clean, going cold turkey. Literally singing a song called "Cold Turkey," whilst he's sick as a pig from heroin withdrawal. Now it's not quite that honest. Yeah, it's not quite that raw. It's not quite that rough, but there is a raw, rough edge to it, and it is of that ilk. Um, yeah, I mean, when you listen to stuff like Angels or um, or Feel there's there's a there's an emotional sort of tie to it yeah. uh, or like a, or like a love sort of theme going with it um but these tunes are a lot more loose and they're a lot more grit driven in my opinion they're a lot more um in your face about it it's like uh, it's it's like the difference between uh, a panorama um nationwide thing on the dangers of wood wood termites versus like a real rough and ready Discovery Channel thing about how the prey gets killed by the lion. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? I think there's a real uh, change in the sort of, in the feeling of it. And I think you can hear what's going on in Robbie's life coming through those tunes. Yeah. Root Box, ignore Root Box. Put it to bed. If you- I, I wish I could. <laughs> if you just think of it as the name of the album and skip the first track, I, I think this is a good album, Marv. Does it completely change the kind of vibe and the feel of it? Yeah, yeah, it does. There's still, obviously, there's dancey tunes on there. Uh, yeah. I didn't do a track by track simply because uh, I, I think that's that's a little bit dated on the old 50 Ways Mez front now, but yeah. Um,
1: well, yeah. The, eight, the 80s is dancey, the 90s is dancey. Um, The song Dickhead, that's quite appropriately titled. But again, a lot of it comes off to me as pastiche, as parody. He's just kind of doing anything he can and just seeing what sticks. But I think that's a positive, like you said. You can't believe that these two songs exist together and he's just trying, trying stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's always something to keep in mind. And obviously... It's very easy to go, do I want this album? Well, let's look at the reviews. No, buy it. Support the bloody artist and just listen to it. Just give it a chance. Give peace a chance. Um, Oh, we are saying. That's going to be in the uh, Patreon cut. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So, yeah, they're more loose. They're, They're gritty. They're real life. You know, it's real. And... Uh, quite a lot of the samples and effects used reflect a lot of that. <clears throat> and the themes, they they rely on sex, drugs, partying, addiction. You know, the classic, oh, I'm rich and I've got money on, I'm sad. Oh. To be fair, though, I'm not going to rag on Robbie. <clears throat> I'm going to read you a little article in a minute. In fact, we're going to go now.
1: He's going to do it now, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. He's going in.
0: So this is a news article by The Daily Fail. I call it that because uh, I also hate the tabloids. I hate newspapers. And I think it's all a bunch of cobblers.
1: So this is The Daily Mail. He's referring to this for everybody who doesn't know what The Daily Mail is.
0: Yes, The Daily Mail. The first quote is, I'd ingested that much stuff that I was crazy. Robbie Williams reveals he broke down following his 2006 Australian tour as he battled drug addiction and sleepless nights. He's the pop star, the pop megastar, who is showing no signs of retiring anytime soon. Uh, He did have a little bit of a break, I think, for a couple of years, which was a good thing. Uh, he, He deserved that. But Robbie has opened up on the time he did retire for three years following a breakdown after an Australian tour in 2006. So I knew he did have a breakdown. I knew he struggled a lot um, with his identity, Mm. uh, with who he was and it being in his own skin. Generally, Um, he wrote in his uh, autobiography that he was in the grips of drug addiction and he wasn't sleeping by the end of the close encounters world tour, which is, Uh, The one that I watched for the Rubebox video. Uh, I'd been given tablets for my ADHD. And of course, these tablets contained speed. And of course, I'm an addict. So one wasn't going to do it. Two wasn't going to do it. Three wasn't going to do it. Until I'm having handfuls at a time. Handfuls. Wow. of, Of speed. He then played to 80,000 people in Melbourne Stocklands feeling completely drained. I am seeing a photo of this gig. And for the people who are watching, I'm going to share my screen and show you that photo. Here we go, then. Here we go. It's not... Ah, oh, can. <laughs> he's disabled. Screen sharing.
1: Hey, I can give it a go. Take I can give it a go. It.
0: It's not... It's, it's not very pleasant. He does not look too well. Um, but yeah, and I mean, th- this is something that we, we, we have spoken about before. Uh, you can take the album out of the context, but you can't take the context out of the album, I think is a good way of describing it. It's always good to remember that you know, as much as it might not be a favorite song, as much as you might not be enjoying this particular album, as much as the fir- the, the first one, the one before it, the one after it. Yeah. There's always going to be some sort of reason for it. And I think this is Robbie's, along with obviously Guy Chambers, no longer writing for him. But I think it, it hit him hard. And I think the stress of it all led him to to becoming an addict. Addict becoming addicted having an addiction that's the one that's the one am i able to share my
1: screen now, Marvin? i believe so i believe so yeah Box could be
0: Something the you know that
1: is the the nucleus of maybe when he started to break down and then having to do that tour didn't help so there he is this is what we're seeing now we're seeing uh a robbie williams he's kind of got a weird like almost smirk on his face he's wearing like a tie he's got like a suit on um so this is at the height of his addiction, would you say, when he's not sleeping at all?
0: Yeah, this is this is when he was drained and wasn't sleeping. Uh he's performing, obviously. Uh it doesn't say like what point in the show it was, it just says that. Well, it says, wasn't sleeping by the end of his close encounters world tour pictured. So that was obviously towards the end of the tour. Um I feel for the guy. And then we've got another one here that looks a lot later on. That really does. Yeah. So I'm assuming you could do like a before and after on that. You can't really see his whole face, but he kind of looks smashed in that one. He kind of looks drunk. He kind of looks like he's having a good time, but I mean, he looks a bit gaunt
1: to me. He does definitely looks gaunt. You can see with his eyes as well, like those bags underneath the eyes and the kind of, uh, yeah the jaw here where the cheekbone goes to the jaw consists of it. So yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, again, that's, that's, he has always struggled with that. All the pressures, um, you know, his, yeah. his, his drug and
0: even food addictions and things like that are all quite well documented. Of course, of course. Um, <clears throat> so to further, um, it was just so embarrassing letting me down, letting them down, letting the people I work for down. I just didn't have any energy. I turned up and gave everything that I got, albeit in an altered state. Um, So he flew back to L.A. after the tour, but he couldn't escape his addictions. And he went to rehab. And he had his three year retirement as he received treatment. Um, he, He wrote, I suppose there was a breakdown. Of course, there was. I'm not thinking by then I've taken so many chemicals that I'm altered maybe beyond repair. I'd ingested th- that much stuff that I was crazy. It was a place where I was, I'd say slowly dying, but I was rapidly dying. Wow. It's very very deep stuff. Very very deep stuff. Um but there we go that's that's obviously why we why we like context and and things like that, you know. It's, it's important to have, I think. It's very important to have. It's, uh yeah, you agree with me, Marv, so I mean. Yeah, but anyway, as we were saying about Rue Box and the lyrics, the lyricism of it, and, oh, well, it's a bit rubbish, and, yeah, it is a bit rubbish. Uh I, I, I think it should be noted that he doesn't take himself seriously, though. He pushes a really, like, Jack the lad sort of attitude, which I think's great. That really plays back. Yeah. And it works. And I respect him as a performer because of the of the work he puts into his act. He's clearly energetic and he's able to put his character and on stage persona across. I'm glad he left Take That because he he was he I think he was so much better than that, in my opinion. Not that Take That's bad. You know, they they come together as shine, mate. Oh, up all shit. night, patience, or oh, give it to me. Having said all that, we then have a song called We're the Pet Shop Boys, a song with the actual Pet Shop Boys.
1: That sounds like the Pet Shop Boys, one yeah. of two songs that have yeah. the Pet Shop Boys that sound just like the Pet Shop Boys.
0: Yeah, not for me that.
1: <laughs> but I wonder yeah. where they got their name from, the pet shop boys.
0: Maybe they all, maybe they all saw the same advert and they all worked in different pet shops all over London or something.
1: And they didn't know each other's names. They were there like, Yeah. All right,
0: mate. Yeah. Go get a lager, please, mate. Oh, I don't work here, mate. Why
1: do you smell a rabbit food? Why well, I'm one of them pet shop boys. Hang on. I'm one of them pet shop boys. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? <laughs> hey, let's open up a pet <laughs> shop together
0: nice Mm. yeah yeah i i I like this album and i'm not gonna rag on it as hard as everybody does because i don't think it deserves it
1: i think it's an interesting look at Roy williams i guess state of mind at the time yeah it definitely makes more sense now when you've told me that information i go okay maybe that's the reason why there's some rapping on here and that's a bit strange and yeah maybe that's a kind of tangent or a way to be like, well, I want to get away from kind of who I am. Maybe I, with all the drugs I'm taking, maybe that's how he actually felt that he wasn't yeah. the same person he was. So what kind of musical statement can I make to kind of connect that to is like, right, I'll do less singing. So if I do more rapping, that kind of feeds into that. And
0: yeah,
1: it's definitely like an interesting part of his life. So I think to to go along and document it. And again, it's, it's, like It's him. He's not being fake. He's not putting on a persona as such. Like, I no. guess he's writing about himself, which yeah. he seems to have always done. Um, and you've got to appreciate that. It, it is just dated. I think that's the, that's the main problem with it, but
0: that is an issue. Definitely.
1: Again, we're sat here talking about it. There you go. As much as Rude Box is, you know, to me his weakest single. I don't think it's, it's, it's good at all as a song it kind of just falls by the wayside. Any publicity is good publicity. There you you go. He's made a stinker, but then he came back with with candy and he's now kind of a respected pop legend in his own right. You know,
0: exactly. And he's, 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 he's he's aged relatively gracefully with the things he's released. And I mean, I, I, I think he, I think he's great. Marv, to be honest, I'd rather not play angels ever again at a wedding, but Everyone it really, loves it. It really ain't the worst song in the world, mate.
1: Should we play uh should we put root box in the set list see so what people
0: do? Uh I would just just for the <laughs> laugh, just to hear um a number of those lyrics sung out loud by people I know. But um it's um oh you're so nasty. That's what oh, I want to hear you sing now. Cause you're so nasty. <laughs> nasty, nasty, nasty. Well, that's uh, like, not for me. That sounded like testy. It's testy. Eh? It's not, uh, it's not for me, but I urge everyone to go and watch that live performance at Leeds because he's, he's great. He's great in it. And that is what's making me go. It's definitely more of a live track than an album track. Keep it as a jam. And if you're going to listen to this, skip through box, because I think the rest of the album is really worth a listen uh there are a few low points in it still but i think it's okay i think it's all right it is an hour and a quarter yeah it's
1: 17 songs it's a, it's a lot to go by it's, it's, a,
0: a, it's, a, it's a big album really <laughs> um and you don't get the payoff of something like physical graffiti you know what i mean you don't get that payoff <clears throat> but it's all right i'd give it five out of ten. Oh. Less than all the vegan food he'd been
1: eating recently, but
0: oh, yeah, I'd give it five out of ten um, because I can listen to it. There are points I do enjoy, however, some of those reviews he he must have paid some of them off to write some of those things because it's not the best thing he'd ever done up to that point. Like, no nah, way, nah.
1: no nah. way. It's a very it's a very common thing, isn't it? A lot of record labels have tie-ins with certain publications and go, you know. They'll do a good review. They'll do a good review. And this is why it's very hard to believe critics yes. or hard to believe reviews. Um, yes. You should read them definitely and maybe just reread them again and go, what are they actually saying there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Let me listen to the song. Is it really that? Is it really this? And make your own opinion of them. I think
0: That's you, the need, you
1: need reviews. And again, this is technically like a review, but go listen to it or go read it. Then make your mind up. And whatever you yeah. think is completely fine.
0: I agree, Martin Robinson. Son, 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 son.
1: You've made your own delay there because you couldn't reach the delay button.
0: Well, I could. See, 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 see,
1: see. He's having too much fun.
0: I am. Anyway, that is my uh, my thoughts on Rubox. Go and listen to it. Give it a chance. Do not listen to the first track. Listen to the live version from his Close Encounters tour.
1: We'll link that down below.
0: Yes. Anyway, Marv, over to you, my boy, because I want to hear about an absolute pop god playing a seven-minute cover of something that doesn't need to be seven minutes long. Oh,
1: I got news for you, kid. It's eight minutes long.
2: Uh... (laughs) Ah.
1: I thought it was seven and I looked oh, and I timed it again. It is, no. I think it's about eight oh, minutes. You're right. It's about you're eight right, minutes, four is. seconds.
0: I remember now. <laughs> yeah, go on, oh. kid. I'm, I'm going to have a little tipply, tip, tip.
1: <laughs> Merritt's having a drink. I'll set myself up. So this is a amazing pop legend here. One of the big greats of the 70s, must be said. He is a sir. Yes. He... Likes to go to Zermatt to holiday around.
0: He does indeed.
1: He does indeed. Um, He is Sir Elton John. And I am looking at his album, Victim of Love, which came out 13th of October, 1979. Now, people might go, I've never, ever heard of that album. That's strange because, you know, I'm an Elton John fan. I know all his work and all these things. I've never heard of Victim of Love. But there's a big reason why, because it didn't sell very well. It kind of got recorded, released, and that was it. He didn't play any of the songs live. He didn't tour for it. He did one TV show to promote it, but not even that. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So Got to Amid Something Out and John is a blind spot for me musically. I do not know the guy's catalog, his classic period. I'm aware of him. I know the singles. I know that he's a big deal. Um, he's a 70s megastar who made John Lennon appear on stage at Madison Square Garden after winning a bet with him, saying that Lennon's song "Whatever Gets You Through the Night" wouldn't go number one. It did, so he went. A bet's a bet, mate. Lennon comes on stage for the first time in a very long while, and backstage was Yoko Ono. So he goes backstage, and that is usually credited as the point that John Lennon and Yoko Ono got back together again after a brief break after Lennon's Lost Weekend. Who else has that feat on their repertoire? Nobody. That's who Elton John does. Nobody. Nobody. My earliest memory of Elton John was Candle in the Wind, but the Princess Diana version. Um, I remember being up probably like half six in the morning trying to watch cable TV or something. And they had the Diana crash. And I remember waking my mum up and saying, "Mom, Diana and Doddy's dead. Um, She was like, "Ah." because my mum apparently has a gruff, most his like voice um so i know that one i know can you feel the love tonight from lion king and obviously i know your song and tiny dance and things like that but mez is going to be mez is the more of the elton john aficionado so i'm gonna need to lean on him a lot more during this uh for certain bits because this album to me didn't offend me as much as someone who actually loves elton john i could see this being a very big bug bear to me i was there like I could take it or leave it. Um, I think my reasoning for not really getting into him, I always classed them as old music. And I had this thing of like piano, heavy rock music. I never liked, I just didn't find it had the kind of oomph that I needed from like Black Sabbath or Fleetwood Mac or Led Zeppelin. But I mean, the irony there that my first instrument was a piano. I've got one right here. um, And the, all of those three bands I just mentioned are, 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 are earlier than Elton John or exactly the same time. So that makes no sense. That's just another thing I'm going to eradicate. Um, and I will dip into Elton John. You know, I'll dip into him. Um, yeah, logic's not. No, my you story.
0: won't. His husband won't let you, kid.
1: Ah, he's done a little joke there. He's done a little joke there. If you've, yeah. if you've understood that joke, please understand it. It's just a joke. And
0: I'm sad that you. <laughs> Sorry. I'm I'm sad that you thought Elton John was piano driven rock. Now don't get me wrong. No getting me wrong. Um he does have tunes where it is a little bit honky tonk and you know, crocodile rock's a prime example. You've heard of crocodile rock, I'm assuming.
1: I have, but I couldn't tell you how it goes.
0: Uh and Saturday night's alright for fighting. That's another one that's quite it's piano heavy rock and roll. I think he does it. I think he does it very well. But then you've got Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Oh, my God. Ah, oh, just perfection. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. I put it in the same uh, category as like Bowie. Okay. Because there are some interesting chord changes going on. There's some very, very uh, creative melodies happening. And the lyrics aren't uh, there. There. They're met, they're, they've are they got metaphors in them, but it's not like, I am a cloud and now I'm raining. It's not like that. It's not as obvious as that. It's not ridiculous. But the difference was, the difference is with Elton John and David Bowie, they could be ridiculous, but it wouldn't okay. be seen as ridiculous. If you see what I'm getting at. Um, goodbye Yellow Brick Road, mate. That whole album, oh. Oh, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart and you always said that you'd never go breaking my heart
1: oh he's done it there he has done it there <laughs> you're in a very very singy mood i must say i Unless am I... mate that's because i'm feeling better but
2: um
0: <laughs> no goodbye i reckon you'd love this song has no title really no. really great mate really great
1: i'll dip into it i'll dip into it. i'll put it on my list So anyway, this album, Victim of Love, right? It's his 13th album from his career of a decade up to that point. Yeah, that's quite a lot, really. You know, especially now it never happened, but to do 13 (laughs) albums in 10 years. Oh, that's a lot. You're you're going full speed. You're going full speed. And you've probably, you know, you've got a good combination going on there. Now, obviously, Elton John writes the music, and this guy called Bernie Torpin writes the lyrics. They are the dream team. They are up there with Lennon and McCartney with page and plant with whoever else that you want to put in that category. There's sort of a good category. Oh yeah. Um, you know, he'd the king of piano led rock music in the seventies up to that point. He collaborated with longtime friend on all of his albums, Bernie Taupin from 69 until 76 is blue moves. Writing the lyrics, of course, Elton does the music. Um, it worked. It worked very well. Um, then you got 78, a single man. Now that was a success as per usual for Elton. The thing is, is that Bernie Taupin was not on that record at all. Um, Elton still played the music, still wrote the music, but someone else came in to do the lyrics. Now that was a success and it kind of planted the seed. Maybe even to realize that, you know, you could branch out, you could thrive without Taupin, you know, he'd survived the struggles of trying to break through, written classics by that point, worked with a Beatle. His classic period was in full swing. All systems go into doing a disco album. <laughs> when yeah. disco had already died, already had its peak, and it was out of public favor about mid 79. So yeah, I you know, bit strange, bit of a strange decision for out to go. You know what? You know what, Med it, because every impression we do is up from north. Up from north. I'm gonna do a disco album. How'd you feel about that? Then hey Bernie, who's Bernie? Don't need him. I'm gonna go it alone.
0: The thing is, right. It's, it's kind of weird how these things transpire. Now, when would you say the punk movement started? That's a hard question.
1: I would say that punk has its origins maybe in the Stooges. So sixty nine seventy. Then you had the Ramones. So I would say around about when the Ramones debut came out, which was? I want to say it was 76, 77.
0: Okay, all right.
1: I think it was around that time because I remember that that came out and bands like Led Zeppelin, I think Presence was out at that point, they got kind of compared as like dinosaur
0: rock. Okay, okay. Um, I thought it was earlier than that, but doesn't matter. In 1980, the band Queen released Never- the...
1: You keep, I no. n- never heard of this band. You keep bringing never them heard, up. Like, yeah, this is this new band ah. that you keep. Ah. Ah,
0: you, should, you should have a go, mate. They're all right.
1: Has anyone, heard, anyone in heard a Queen? Anyone here heard a Queen? Come on. Give us your comments. Have you, have you ever heard a Queen? Do you know they are? That's the best use of the sound effect yet.
0: It was good, wasn't it? Um, so in 1980, they released the game, which has got some bangers on it. Nonetheless, on the game released in nineteen eighty is another one bites the dust. What genre would you put another one bites the dust in, Marv? Well, I wouldn't put it at punk. No. I
1: would probably say it's oh, it's kind of hard because it's not really disco, but it kind it's like funk. It's mm. like it's like funk without the disco with maybe like a touch of new wave, especially with all that, like the weird um, effects yeah. and things. That's Actually, what I claim you... it as.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the punk thing was unrelated. I was trying to make another point, but it didn't happen. Queen did it a year after they didn't do a disco album. They did, but that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, they released another one by Dust*, and it was absolutely enormous. So why did it work for Queen? But not for Elton John. Here's another one. John Reed used to manage Elton John, managed Queen during that period as well. I do believe. So maybe a maybe. little bit of. I don't think it. <laughs> that, for the record, that was. That was quite nice, actually. That was years.
1: actually pretty good. Um, yeah. yeah, you were called a sellout for putting disco in your music um artists were calling out their disdain for it publicly and those disco sucks t-shirts were kind of everywhere at this point um it was kind of like if you even look at maybe the charts from maybe like may april 79 all of them are disco you look at about september no disco baby no disco so he releases Victim of Love in October, 79. He recorded this in August. So that's a bold move to begin with. And it I would is. say it's a misstep as well, because by this point when you're recording it, it's already dead in the water. Now, obviously people didn't know that it was a fad or they, people felt, no, sorry. People felt like disco was a fad. that It was just the kind of thing that would just be here. Go away. It's the new thing. Don't like it. Whatever. People thought that about rap. Now it's the biggest genre In the world. So yes, he'd written a pure disco album. All of the now classic tropes are there. You want a nuanced and rhythmic baseline that pops and it slaps, got octaves and everything. It's there. 21 year old Marcus Miller is there. You want four on the floor drum beats with the quick hi-hats. Your boy Keith Fawzi holds it down. I'm telling you, he's there. He's holding it down. You want those chic-esque harmonies that kind of grab your attention, nice and high. Michael McDonald, he's popped in and he's got you covered, right? Especially on the title song, especially on the title song. If I had to show somebody an example of what disco sounds like, this album would be great. It would be perfect example. They're like, this is what disco sounds like. Now, if I wanted to show a good example, that's debatable. But again, I'd probably go Chic. I'd probably go ABBA, some ABBA songs as well, or Donna Summer, you know? Um, so Mez, you know, I know you can't be, can't you kind of got you know questioned it yourself or kind of gone a little thing but like because you're the bigger elton john fam can you kind of make sense to myself and the listeners as to like how strange and weird it is for elton john to make a disco album
0: incredibly um i have read part of his biography which you you bought me his autobiography um and he talks about, when he's young, when he was younger, um, he was the biggest music nerd in the world. Bigger than me? Oh, enormous. Ah. It was like back catalog. And he'd have everything he owned logged. He'd have the label. He'd have the year. He'd have the month. He'd have what was on side A, what was on side B, side one, side two. What color the labels were on the vinyls. Madness. Um, what was on the sleeve if there was anything on the sleeve if it came with a sleeve what day he bought it how much it was he had a big old book full of all these facts um, and I can't help but think that maybe it feeds back into a sort of because I mean a lot of the artists that sort of started in the 60s or 70s as they got to the 80s they either went oh oh yep yeah, more of that yep yeah, yep yeah. or they went no 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 blah, 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 blah. and just <laughs> see you later kids uh queen were one that survived extremely well they in- reinvented themselves i feel like paul mccartney did well
1: he did he did. He, yeah. he, he did he did slump but i mean he's paul mccartney
0: yeah who cares david that is-
1: david bowie didn't do too well but yeah who, no who cares paul mccartney who cares McCartney.
0: yeah so, basically, I think Elton tried to do that ahead of the curve just before the eighties came into it, Kind of fell at the first footing by going, "Let's do an album of disco." um Yeah, just stick to what you're good to, Elton. don't don't upset Bernie. He's your boy. He's your boy. He knows what's good for you." don't get me wrong Elton has written quite a few bangers I love his music I adore his music but oh it's that magic thing missing do you know what I mean it's that that sweetener in your tea it's that it's that that vinegar with your salt (laughs) it's that it's that that corn piece with your chips do you know what I mean I like that yeah Elton, you will always have a special place in my heart. His music is is wonderful, and I can't say it anymore. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Listen to it. Um, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's wonderful. It is unbelievable. But um, yeah, I like it, this dedication. I can I can tell it affects you. Oh, it does, mate. It does. It's just, it's very uh, weird. Basically, it's very, very weird that he decided to do that. However, like I said, you know yourself as an artist, you try to evolve. You take influence from as many places as possible. And if for one minute you think that's going to make me a lot of the old spanduli. There it is, the spanduli. Then you're going to jump on that bandwagon. You're going to set up shop on that bandwagon. You're going to open a three bed terrace in that bandwagon. You're gonna put a pool extension on that bandwagon, and then you're gonna put a big old stake in the ground and a flag with your face on it, or a mug, fifty ways.
1: By now, forever and ever. Okay, then. So yeah, that was uh, Merritt talking to us all about how emotionally he gets over uh, Elton John. Fair enough. Got to be done. Got to be done. So. Yes. Bernie Torben was not included in the previous album single man that had gone to the job had gone to Gary Osborne now with victim of love. He also tried another thing. So he's not exact. Not only is he doing a completely different genre. He's gone. I'm not going to write any of the music. I'm not going to play any of the pianos or the keyboards. I'm just going to sing. That's all I'm going to do. Someone else will do all this. We'll talk about them in a minute. So yes, he's given his fingers a break. Letting his voice be the star of the show. Um, And again, another thing he's using all new musicians. Now he's had, there are some band members he's had since the start that he still uses now. Obviously some of them have died. um, Some took a break or whatever, but like, this is one of the only Elton John albums where this combination is that he doesn't play any instruments and there's all new musicians, not his normal band. Um, And Merritt is nodding his head in approval, of course. Um, So the album is structured in a way That it kind of just plays all the way through So it's kind of a bit like It feels like a medley of songs But they're all just put together And they're either separated by like a couple of drum kick um, Like kick drums That's the one, drum kick drums um, Or some sort of cool little like ending That goes straight into an intro of another song Now the only other album that I know Personally it does that Is Chris Cornell's Scream That deserves its whole other episode um, dedicated to itself that will probably be on the album of, um, well, kind of like this one <clears throat> in the sense that it's someone who does a completely different genre. But for this one, I think this is more the main songwriter Lee's Chris Cornell was the main songwriter of Chris Cornell. So there you go. <clears throat> oh, little burpee. Uh, I am a fan of this concept, but I think, cause you know, it keeps the attention of the listener. And really push the album listening experience but not when every song contains the same elements so victim of Love" does come across as one huge medley and boy what a song to start off this 35 minute album which is out and shortest album so you're like okay it's only 35 minutes only half an hour oh it tracks oh, it tracks. oh yeah um we get a cover version johnny b good the chuck berry classic now at this point, it was 21 years old, this song. So it still had life in it. I wouldn't say it was kind of oversaturated in the kind of absolutely stonking classic that it is now. Um, here's a quick list of songs that are 21 years old as of now. Bohemian Like You, Dandy Warhols. Break Stuff, Limp Biscuit, Who Let the Dogs Out, Bahamem. Change in the House of Flies by Deftones. Babylon by David Gray. With Arms Wide Open, Creed. The Bad Touch, Bloodhound Gang. Beautiful Day by U2. It's My Life, Bon Jovi. Shake Your Ass by Mr. Cow, um, who someone is really getting into recently. Teenage Dirtbag by Wheatus. Say My Name by Destiny's Child. The Thong Song by Sisquo. And All The Small Things by Blink-182. So, Mez, pick a song from that list that I've just said.
0: I am going to pick Shake Your Ass. So, Mez, you're
1: on my record label and we're going yep. right. Shake your ass, Mr. Cal. We're going to do a cover. That's going to be the first track, right? So we're going to do that. But you know, kind of wanna put some solo breaks in there. Let's uh how many solos do you reckon we should put in shake your ass? Um, have a think. What would you say? Four? Yeah, okay. We're gonna put four in. We'll put four whole solo breaks in there, right? Don't don't worry if you can't get we little shreddy bits in. Cause what we'll do is right. We'll get you soloing over the chorus as well. So, you know, in like you're singing, shake your ass, watch yourself, right? We'll do a guitar solo at the same time. And then maybe a saxophone solo on top as well with harmonies. We'll, we'll do all that, right? I'll be, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So let me have a look. Let's tie the runtime. That's intro, verse, chorus, solos, uh, eight minutes, eight minutes. Okay. So we're going to do Mr. Cow, shake your ass for eight minutes long with four guitar solos plus. We'll have it over the choruses. Um, if that's not a 2021 TikTok hit, then I clearly don't know what I'm doing. So, yes, Elton John, Johnny B. Good for eight whole minutes. If anyone listening can find me a longer recorded version of Johnny B. Good, then please link it to us. I think this is the longest version. The it's longest version be. by my It's got
0: to be, it. let's be
1: honest. Now we get an approximation of the main riff and it's like a guitar that's effective with a chorus pedal. It's not even like, I think the second note is not the exact riff. So it's like listening to like a pub band that have kind of gone, we got the rhythm, right? People are going to know what it is. The second you go, you know, certainly a little bit will kick into it. So even then it kind of goes off on the wrong foot. It's slower than the original to fit the disco drum beats. And it does not help in getting through the sluggish eight minutes. Echoed backing vocals, the simultaneous saxophone and guitar solo, along with a separate guitar solo, then a solo of all the instruments, taking a few bars, then a bass solo. One of three songs that have a bass solo, but everything drops down by the drums and the bass. Then another guitar solo, then another saxophone guitar, dual solo over the chorus. Just no, just no. Now people might know, but people might not. I cannot stand saxophone. No, you can. In pop music, it just drives me up the wall. I like the instrument itself when using the right context, especially jazz, especially things like that. But just pop, I don't know what it is. It just completely, it just mulches me. You know, I can't be doing it. I can't do it. I can't take any
0: more. Whenever you hear it, it's that classic thing of, this week at b q you yep. can get two bags of creosote. With one for free. Oh, two for one on Chris. Let's
2: do that. Yeah.
1: Can we have till assistance in aisle 13, please? Thank you very much. I've gone for I've gone for till assistance in aisle 13. So you're not even on the till, you're helping people with their shopping in the aisle where probably the grout is. Um yeah, I'm good, and I am good. So there is a version of Johnny Be Good by Elvis that popped up from 1973. Ranger Marsh. And it's one minute, 41 seconds long. It rocks, it rolls, it's engaging, it's exciting. It feels more dense and complete than Elton's version. And it's a minute and
0: a half long. It's great. got to ask yourself this question though, Marv. What's that then? Who died on the toilet? Nearly
1: you this week. Nearly, Nearly you.
0: Nearly me. Nearly me. Thank you very much. So <laughs> Elton performed
1: uh, Johnny B. Good. Bear in mind, this was a single... He went, I'm going to release this as a single, along with the title track, Victim of Love. So you've got Victim of Love and you've got Johnny B. Good. Um, It probably was a single edit where all the 58,000 solos got taken out. He performed on a show called Countdown. Um, Yes, I thought that he'd be singing, you know, this song with someone trying to do loads of consonants and vowels and trying to find a little word. But no, it was a very popular Australian music show. Um, Now, if cocaine could tell a story about a young singer-songwriter who'd made it to the top, found himself singing cover uh, of Johnny B. Good on an Australian TV show in front of kids, this would be it, my friends. Elton's eyes are like fried eggs, and he's super pumped. Um, Good Lord. One of the comments on the video was like, he's even sweating cocaine. It was like white sweat. Um, But there you go. Did uh, Did he take a lot of cocaine, James?
0: Oh, a little bit, I think. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just, you know, wet the old whistle. (laughs) We will return to this clip in the
1: end. I'll talk about what happens at the end of it because it's very important. So we've made it through the eight minute cover. And if you're listening now, a cover that has been played so, so many times that you don't need to hear it to remember it. We get a tidy and a tight ending, but straight away we get some kick drums. I think we get about two and we're straight into pushed face first into the next track, Warm Love and a Cold World. Now, you don't get time to think. You don't get time to get your breath back straight into the next song. Now, this is a repeated theme throughout the whole of the album that works to its detriment and sometimes works to its strengths. Here, I think it works. Now, this is one of the strongest songs here from a songwriting perspective, solid progression that interacts with the vocal melody, especially in the chorus. The second I heard it, though, it reminded me of We Are Family by Sister Sledge. It uses the same kind of chords. It's like an 11th chord that kind of has a nice suspension to it, a good release afterwards. It's in the same key of A major. Um, that one was released in April, 79. So you could definitely make the assumption that whoever wrote that song, which wasn't Elton John, it was a person that I will talk to later, talk about later. who um, must've heard that and gone. Let's model it off of that. Fair enough. The Panverse guitar parts that play the echo game with each other. It's quite satisfying. I must say for a guitar playing point of view, like this, this album is quite fun, especially the guitar solos. Um, the cowboy, the cowboy, the cowboy that plays the cowbell uh, playing in the rundown of the chorus is really, really funny because it goes really, really quickly. It's just like, um, and there's what a hum. You
0: know? It's like, and just, you keep cutting out, mate. Go well,
1: again. Oh, well, in slow motion. He likes that.
0: He likes that. That was good. I enjoyed that. Fair, you've got a little machine
1: um the harmony guitar break in this song is lovely and guess who plays it mes this is a little harmony guitar part brian may no it's a 22 year old steve lutherker
0: that's what i said steve lutherker
1: yeah steve lutherker more commonly steve known Luthaker. as more commonly known as steve lutherker only took me three goes all right you know he was early in his Toto days as well so he wasn't really that well known i would say but he was doing sessions 22 also- years old
0: also, one of the best guitarists on the planet. He was conceived he was a guitarist, simple as that.
1: He came out with a guitar in his hands.
0: That's um, wired.
1: But why, why, why another bass guitar solo? Why? This is the second tune in a row, We're only in track two, and there's another bass guitar solo that drops down to the drums and the bass. Nothing against the bass guitar, but it's almost identical to the one we've heard. Everything drops out and you get some licks. So after an instrumental climax with this song, we get the dreaded kick drums to push us into the next song, Born Bad. Yeah, Elton, he's born bad. Yeah, don't let anyone tell you a different
0: kid. I'm assuming it's not exactly the bitch's back.
1: No, we are far, far, far away from this. There is no, not really any soul or bite to any of Elton's lyrics here and his vocal performances, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, I like how I'm saying it. It's almost like a YouTube video. I'm going to teach you the five greatest licks. Listen to this one hour video. Um, I've never wanted a fade out or a long guitar intro so much than I do now. I realize that when you listen to Stay Away <laughs> to Heaven, you're there like, oh, this gives me time to think. This gives me time to compose myself rather than just straight in. It's just straight in all the time. Oh, there's no push and pull, there's no tension, there's no release. It's the equivalent of someone talking to you without you having to a chance to interject, which is basically me to merit right now. Yeah. This is what I do, this is what I'm good at. I don't care. Screw the lot of you. Nice. Um, you can't, you don't get a second guy like, This is a belter of a tune here. That was really, really good. Because you just your your memory has to just boom straight into the to the next song. You've got to retain that information. Um, I get the intention behind it. The whole point is to like all these disco clubs that are popping up and you want people dancing. They were on vinyl at this point, the DJs and you have to flip over, you know, switch between the volumes of each two um, vinyls. If you can make a record, which constantly just keeps going for 35 minutes, that's 35 minutes of your music to keep the butts boogie in my friend. Yep. So I get the reason behind that, but here's a question for you. Knowing that this was probably a conscious decision by someone, maybe Elton, maybe the, by the people who wrote the songs, do you think this is an example of creating music for a specific intention and that is elton john selling out by that kind of thing or is it an artist who has achieved so much and wants to have fun at the moment where with the information
0: i've given you where do you kind of stand on that well elton is very creative and El- queen elton shall not shall not be shot down. He is fantastic in every way. I love him. Elton, divorce your husband. At least I can play guitar. Because that's all I got. That's all I got. Is he coming for a coffee? All I got is a big heart and a couple of guitars, you know. Uh, He's not coming for a coffee. I'll make make him pina coladas. (laughs) But I think our dear old reg our dear old reg dwight i think he went into the studio one day and i think he went in and went flour flour everywhere we're not baking cakes why is there flour everywhere and uh george michael was in the studio and he went yeah, yeah, yeah. And like tripped out and over and he went, Oh no, and fell into this pile of flour and went Oh he's leaving this flour around. Oh I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to eat a cake now. Oh no oh, and then he fell over again and again yeah. and again and again. And every time he went to the studio he just kept falling over.
1: So that's annoying,
0: isn't it? I think Ozzy all, Osbourne
1: did the same thing, right? Oh uh, yeah. Oh that flat was it musicians and flour
0: No, uh no, Ozzy Osborne got locked into a um a police station for the night, but he got locked in the wrong room. He got locked in the evidence room. The bakery, and you mean? That's it. Yeah. That's Someone left one. a bakery sign over there. And he was like, Oh, muffins. Ah, oh, no, 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 no. oh,
1: you know, you know, those rockers and them sweet treats.
0: Ah, uh, it happens, happens everywhere. Oh. Same with Tony Iomi. That was a real, did you hear about that? That was a real nightmare.
1: He loved the bloody Battenberg, him, didn't he?
0: I'll tell you what, he he got to America and they went, hey, mate, if you haven't got any fingertips on your right hand, I'm going to shove this white package up your nose. And he went, oh, no. Oh. It's terrible, 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 terrible people. Um, no, I think Elton John was on a lot of cocaine. I think he wasn't making coherent and cohesive decisions. And I think for that reason... Uh, I think we can forgive it, but I think we can remember it as a time where you don't make business decisions when you're high on cocaine. Um, yeah, that's what I do. I chalk it up to experience and go, oh, what a silly man I was. Also, which mansion shall I stay in this weekend?
1: <laughs> I'm going to stay in the Thursday mansion on a Wednesday. Oh,
0: <laughs> someone stop me. <laughs> La 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 he can't really sing that high anymore well, la, la 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 la
1: that sounds good i like that so that was a great answer man. well done uh finally Boy. we get a fade out on born bad oh it is so needed but it's such a brief gap it is like a drop of water in the sahara desert that's how much it quenches you we get Thunder and the Night. So this one sounds pretty much like Money, Money, Money and Gimme, Gimme by ABBA, both together, like mashed up. Nice. Um, but, like, but to the point where it doesn't sound like them. It's in that weird hot spot where they must have just started with those two songs. Yeah. And then kind of dr- tried to make their own song, but then didn't really get rid of like the draft. It's like when you sketch out uh, a drawing from an outline and you don't rub out the outline. That's what I would say it is,
0: is it that classic thing of when Def Leppard, uh, were trying to write, um, pour some sugar on me and, uh, the engineer went, here's some money, go to the record shop, get me two records, get me, we will rock you by queen and get me. I love rock and roll by Joan Jett. And they went pretty and much. We went, and the thing is. Is, thing is that works.
1: I like that. Which then, does, yeah. which then you look at Midnight Memories by One Direction, which rips off, pour some sugar on me, which there rips off those two songs, but they were happy with it. They were of like, course. you know what, whatever. People are going to go, oh, that sounds like White Snake. There you go. So it can work. Um, but yeah, this one just kind of falls in weirdly. It's like it kind of does, kind of doesn't. And this happens with another song, which actually is a falsehood, but I'll get to it. So Money, Money, Money released in 76. Gimme, Gimme released in 79. Now Elton's writers must have heard the new Abertune at that point and started. There it is a great songwriting tool can produce amazing results. Like we've just said, but can be hard to get away from the template. This is exposed yes. as a main flaw with this album. So these songs sound like other songs, more than Elton's songs gone. Disco, which oh dear. we can make the connection with the Robbie Williams thing. To me, the music that I heard on Rude Box didn't sound like Robbie Williams music to me now. I guess the added caveat here is that Robbie Williams' lyrics, maybe for some of the songs, actually pertains to things that are going on in his life and maybe have a bit more substance to them. But the lyrics here, just uh, there's nothing to them. Absolutely nothing to them. I think that's a, a uh, tactical decision because when you're dancing off your nut on cocaine in an underground, possibly illegal disco club, you don't really want to sit there and be like, yeah, I like all the politicalness that he's bringing up right now. That's really, no, really good. Yeah. You can't just want to go <laughs> like that. So do that's, what? Okay. <laughs> which is. And again, maybe that's what I would do. Uh, what mate? Nah, sorry. Um, uh, that's probably what, that's what maybe I'm assuming I'd be like on cocaine. It's just fist pumping and breathing out my mouth. like um, We'll never know. We'll never know. Like what? anyways so um as we discussed with paramore and this kind of going 80 synth pop the skeleton the DNA of their songs and paramore are still there we've just swapped overdriven guitars to synthesizers. the only thing that to me an outsider to Elton's catalog retains his DNA in these songs you get some standard boogie- woogie kind of piano playing that kind of rhythm um very status quo and the use of the piano now these songs are all written for him by Pete Belote or Pete double T E. He's famous for working with Giorgio Marauder, who is the father of disco. So he's gone to the right place. This guy has worked with the guy who's made disco. He's produced I Feel Loved on The Summer. He's gone in. He's the daddy. Um, once the songs were ready, Elton was basically like, got approached by this guy and was like, Elton. I want to write you a, a disco record. And Elton's gone. All right then, mate, just write songs. Don't want to play on it. I'll just sing on it. That's all I want to do. You go do them. Tell them when you're ready. And you know, tick tock, tick tock. Pete goes by. All right, Elton. Um, I've got the songs ready. Now i goes, gone. Give me eight hours. I'll sing them all. Elton turns up. One eight hour vocal session later, he's done the record. Done and dusted. And he's probably dusting all that flour. It's probably dusted gone Off right up the shoulders. old right up the old tubular bells. Has gone Not up to old Elton old tubular. And here cracks the answer. This could be anyone singing these songs with the same result. It just happened to be Elton John. He just happened yeah. to be. You're right, mate. Do you want to sing on this? Yep. Could have been anybody, and this is the problem. This is the problem. Um, so it's like Elton John's guessing on his own solo record, essentially, um, and he kind of just forgot about it. It was just there. Again, lyrics, nothing to write home about, honestly. Um, so Thunder in the Night ends. We're met with Spotlight, both at the same tempo. There's no real break to separate the two. It's a medley within the medley of an album. And again, it just, this is the worst case where it's like, this is just the same song. I, I've i never done this so many times where I've been writing my notes or just listened to the album I've had to like, go on to Spotify to go, have I changed the song? Is the song, this is a different one. I did it for every single track, pretty much. Um, High female back and vocals, claps, slap bass, those high hats reign supreme. You know, the now cliche funk guitar playing. we got some rocky harmony guitar passages again, which kind of wake you from the disco coma. And again, being a guitarist, it's like, Oh, this is nice, and you kind of want to bit your guitar up and play it, and go. <laughs> that was a cool like couple of minutes figuring that out. Oh, great! Back at the disco, cool. Oh, cool. Um, but here's the thing: we're only 26 minutes in, and it feels like a long haul. Did you kind of get that feeling going through this mess that it just felt longer than it's meant to be? Honestly,
0: not really. Oh. Not with, surprisingly, no. Not, not with Ru Box. Not this week. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Now we've all got albums that have a
1: saggy back end to them. I'm not fat shaming these albums. So please get off your Twitter boxes. Um, It can take repeated listens. Now me, you know, you can, you find a couple of hidden gems out the back, but sometimes you just got to be honest with yourself. So the green album and maladroit by Weezer for me, have very saggy back ends to them where there's a lot of filler where you're just like, I cannot tell you which song is, which very similar to victim of love. I'd say all the way through, um, but there are solid tunes: "Oh Girlfriend," "I Do," "Slave," "December." But I think the difference here is, is that because I wanted, I had a desire to know everything about Weezer. My emotional ties in their music, my thirst to hear and remember their songs, helped me push into repeated listens, which ended up in familiarity, which then helped me to recall the songs. Now, and they're bolstered by some pretty big hits as well. "Victim of Love" didn't have any big hits. Victim of love goes by the wayside and they all sound the same, at least on those Weezer records. Yes. Weezer is just power pop all the way through um, with some anomalies that work and don't work, but there you go. That is my point. Was it a point? I don't care, but I think that's still so damned in time. So can we say this for victim of love? No, I think the title track, which is the end track is the best track. Um, but we got one more song first street boogie bit of a clutter mix a clav slap bass with the uh popping notes of the bass being the same device used in the solo break of warm love in a cold world and then we get another bass guitar solo with the same pull off popping bass pop a doodle do note that he keeps doing it's three out of the seven tracks it gets boring at this point we've already had two back to back from track one and two um Luckily, yes, like I said, it ends on a very strong note, Victim of Love, which was, I think, the second single or first single, but very, very good. I'd, I'd urge you to listen to this song. You've got the whole gist of the whole record from that Victim of Love. It has Michael McDonald on it. It is great. Um, the chorus melody is instantly catchy, complete with Michael McDonald back and vocals. It's got like a tasty, like, sounds like a minor seven flat five or like a diminished or like an altered kind of chord in the middle that provides like an urgency that you've wanted the whole tune, whole tune, the whole time, um, which maybe is in Elton John's previous work. I feel like Elton John's previous work is a li- little more nuanced chordy wise and music wise. Is that correct? Mez? Oh, absolutely. You don't get this here apart from here. Victim no. of love in that chorus. Um, and it helps, you know, the loop doesn't get stale then cause you really want it. It has that really nice bit of urgency. Um, and I thought the pre-chorus ripped off lay all your love on me by ABBA, but that was released after. So ABBA have ripped off victim of love
0: shame. Ooh, naughty, naughty.
1: And I think this song seems to have Elton's DNA at least coming for a little bit more. You'd think that Johnny B. Goodwood cause it's rock, but actually that does the opposite. We will get to the end of that video in a minute. Um, Mez, have you, did you listen to any of this album? What were your thoughts?
0: I got through eight minutes of Johnny B Good and went. That's uh, for me. (laughs) So we got the kind. The
1: the similarity between these two records then is they start off with a doozy.
0: Yep. Skip the first track. Yep. Uh, No, that's that's genuinely my answer. Eight minutes of Johnny B Good happened, and I went. I need to go have some (laughs) diarrhoea. (laughs) not even because i was unwell i was like i'm gonna force myself to have diarrhea because this is awful this is terrible and elton i adore you but i never want to hear it again
1: that's quite possibly the funniest slash most brutal uh opinion of a record or song since sorry i got distracted then i heard weird goat noises but it is a member of our family doing weird goat noises.
0: Right. Okay. Always got to be done.
1: Always got to be done. So, okay. so step up and defend this album. Now, it's very easy to go, this record's crap. This record's rubbish. Ah, whatever. It's your own opinion. Ah, what? You know, just if you like it, you like it. But, you know, we like This is the whole point of this podcast. It's not to just sit there and go, this record's rubbish. We agree. Look how bad it is. You know, we want to try and defend it and go, you know, Maybe just have a little bit of compassion. Maybe just treat it like this or like that. So is it a tragedy of errors? And to quote last week's album choice, the worst album in the history of recorded sound. Sorry, Owen Quigg. I don't believe that that's um, true for your album. Not at all. And not by a country mile with this record. Elton made a disco album and achieved that goal. He just recorded and released it a year too late. Maybe it was the fault of Bellotti. Um, because, you know, I don't know how long. Bill Odie, Yeah. Uh, maybe it was, you know, it just took too long to get the music. Fair enough. Um, it's disco. It's done well. It's performed by great players. And when I say great players, you know, session musicians that have been on the, some of the best, most, and a lot of sessions so much that you can't even believe it. Um, so much so that I couldn't even make that sentence out. Steve Lucafer, Marcus Miller, you know. If you don't know who they are, you've heard them before. I'm telling you, it's got two catchy songs, memorable songs written. Well, they're a cut above the other five out of a seven track album. So out of two really, you know, it's not a landslide as some might say, but doesn't necessarily mean the album's bad. If the album was truly that awful, none of the songs would be worthy of that. And I really stand by those two cold love in a warm world, or warm love in a cold world and victim of love. Um, It ticks the boxes for what disco should sound like. Like I said, kind of sonically goes to Sheik and ABBA, Um, two of the best to do disco and pop, definitely. This is how I view this album. I view this album as Alan wanted to try something new after proving himself to his critics, his label, and himself, that he was successful and could be an established star. He was struggling with drugs and alcohol abuse, along with his sexuality, which was still commonplace around this time to make pop stars appear heterosexual by giving them the option, which really is more like feeling like they had to, or being forced to um, set up fake relationships with the opposite sex for fear of lack of sales. Dusty Springfield um, did this too. Um, Even John Lennon had to hide the fact he was married because they were like, nope, teenage girls are going to buy your records because all four of you are single. So go do it. So, thankful that that is now not commonplace. Um, I can't even begin to think of the pressure that that put onto Elton John to feel ashamed and to hide who he was. Um, and obviously it didn't stop here. It kind of, you know, he, I think he still struggled. I think he, he married a, a woman in the eighties and then that didn't end very well. But eventually he kind of, you know, you know, things changed and I, it doesn't matter about sexuality. He's a great, great musician a fantastic musician that's really what should be the forefront um after 12 albums and many tours all the pressures that brings the opportunity to do something completely different and to just experiment reared its head and he took it purely for the decision alone i commend this album and what it represents music is fun the act of making music at its core is just so exciting and nobody creates it the same way it can be hard to retain that sense of joy Um, and creativeness. I want you to put money, contracts, pressures onto it, social pressures, what you should be doing, age, all these things. Um, A moment in time to try something new. If you don't like it, wait to the next one. If you do, find other disco artists and immerse yourself. Here's a quote from Elton about this record. He says, I enjoyed it, but it was self-indulgent. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not going to hide that record in the cupboard. Brilliant. Like that. Do you agree with
0: that? Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. He's not, um, he's not, oh, I hate it. It's horrible. But he's also not, why am I still not doing this? He's just like, yeah, it exists. Uh, I don't really hide it, but it's not my favourite. And it shouldn't be, goodbye, Yellow Brick Road.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
1: And for eight hours of vocal recording, the fact that it still gets talked about, over some musicians spending years up in the Himalayan mountains, strumming a G chord, right? For five days straight and being like, I need to get inside the overtones of what this chord means to me spiritually, you know, and all the atoms that make up our planet and all these things. I'll get over it. Just go in, record it, shut up and get your song out now. You know what I'm saying? Yes, put some craft. Yes, put some dedication and some work into your music. But some people just take it way too far. And this is a good example of Eight hours go in, bang. It's listenable. Yeah, it's not exactly Elton John's finest work. It's usually voted the lowest. He doesn't think it's his worst record. I think there's an album, the '86, eight, that he says is his worst record. Um, and there you go, fruits of the labor. I, I applaud it for that. So when the next time I listen to it, if I ever do, it's like that took him eight hours. I've worked shifts like that where I felt like it's you know an eternity, and he's done seven songs in eight hours. Go on, Elton boy don't second guess don't constantly rewrite make a statement of who you are at that time and move on to the next statement that to me is a victim of love bing bang boom anyways shake
0: the room shake
1: that room daddy rude Roo box back to that johnny b clip this perfectly sums it up so out finishes the song you know he's performing it on this countdown show it's an edited version uh no solos all the audience come off on stage with him right so Presenter chats down for a little bit, and he presents him with a platinum album for a single man, which was the album before, uh, for which Elton shakes the shakes around in glory and excitement. He's like grinning, he's like moving it around really like you know crazily in joy. Um, he then gets, I'm presuming, a gold album for victim of love, for which he replies to the presenter's comments of someone not liking it with, "What does she know about rock and roll?" in a really kind of silly voice. He grins to the camera, he holds it up just once like this, doesn't move, then he looks straight at the floor. So if that kind of doesn't tell you what he thinks about these two experiments of, you know, the first time with without Bernie Torpin versus the second one, that clip kind of showed you, we'll put down the clip below. Um, and yes, cocaine is rife in that clip.
0: I was going to say, did he have a bit of a bit of a cold? I think he had a little yeah. bit of a sniffy
1: cold. Yeah, yeah, he's sniffle, definitely. Like, he's kind of yeah. showing his teeth a lot, and you know he's kind of
0: in shock. He's, you could see his he eyes. Brushes, like, yeah. brushing his teeth like, yeah, he might have been. Really, he might yeah. have been, you know.
1: Don't do the drugs, kids or adults or anybody really. You
0: Not know I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. No being should do drugs.
1: No. Oh. 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 So yeah, that's my that's my thoughts on Victim of Love. Obviously an anomaly from Elton's Canon. Um, I think my opinion might change when I start listening to his earlier stuff. I might go, Oh, this was a bad misstep, but yeah, he's Elton John. Who am I?
0: Someone who hasn't listened to goodbye yellow brick road all the way through.
1: That is true. That is true. True. True.
0: Oh, listen to it. What now? Yeah. (sighs) That's cool. And you'll, you'll have a feeling of it will be a spiritual awakening.
1: You were just on a singing mission today. I can't oh, believe it. I you're so giddy. It.
0: I'm so, so rock and roll, 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 roll. <laughs> well,
1: that's, that's potty. That is possible
0: this, this week. Um,
1: you? Yes, with both our albums, Rude Box and Victim of Love, skip the first track, get stuck yep. in. Please let us know what you think. Um, has your opinion changed? Do you think people are allowed to actually experiment? Should people kind of stay the same? Do you you know they didn't have their main songwriters with them, their main kind of team? So kind of bear that in mind. You know what I'm saying? bear, bear that in mind. So next week, hopefully, next ne- week. next pod, you know, we're tr- we're pod. we're struggling with uh schedules, we're struggling with. Gastroenteritis oh. We're struggling with Trying to fit in Free days To do these things um, Patreon We're going to uh, Give you more content Really That's what we're going to Try and do uh, yes. To kind of fill up All these gaps We understand that We appreciate everyone's support Even the people Who watch on YouTube And listen on Spotify Love that Love that It's all good Amazing, Amazing Even Merritt's mum Old Maggie Ann Who's bought a merch Loves That's her good. merch Even she's That's coming good. She's going from episode one She's commenting there that's a big old boy, that one. <laughs> He's gone in. So if Merritt's mum can do it, you lot can do you it. You can. Next episode is going to be solo albums by band members. Now, this one's a biggie. I may go for Peter Chris from Kiss. When Kiss, I believe this is the only time a band released four solo albums yes. on the same day from the same band. So I may do Peter Chris's album but I'm going to have a look. I may also do Keith Moon's album because that's very interesting. Um, but again, we'll let you know. We'll try and keep you informed. We'll try and be a bit more active on the old socials now that, you know, we've got a bit of breathing space and all that. Um, Mez, what are you thinking? What's your kind of round there on that topic?
0: Well, the classic option for me would be Freddie Mercury's solo album. Who, what band was he in again? Ah, uh, some Band from the 70s, mate. You have you've not even heard Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. So, so I, don't just I should like just I'm quit.
1: Off. Yeah, I should just quit then, should I?
0: Um yeah. Um no, you'd love Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. There's some amazing piano work on it. Um yeah, I may do that. That's the logical choice for me, considering um I mean, yeah, he's he was in my favorite band. And it is known that there's like one or two good tunes and I've not given it uh, a proper listen for a little while. Uh, I do know Living on My Own. I love that tune. And the remix is not better. Go away. That is
1: debatable. I think no, the dance remix of no, Living on My Own is no, so much better.
0: No, it's not. <laughs>
1: hey, who's who's the bigger queen? No.
0: Fan no. No. I wish you had guessed no, right again. No, 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 no. No, it's not. Um, yeah, that's a logical choice. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking maybe Roger Taylor's Fun in Space, but that was great, and it was very well received as well, just for the name Fun in Space. And the uh, I think the cover is uh, quite weird as well, but um, I mean, in terms of others, I could go on. Um the uh, this is something else. Is it fun in space? Was that all I needed? He's See, he's shake. done. He's done quite a few. Um, but well, you can dive into that, then, couldn't you? Yeah, there we go. Fun in space. That's the that's the cover. Fun in space. Nice. And that's Ro- that's Roger Taylor on that magazine.
1: So the alien is reading a magazine, presumably about Roger Taylor.
0: Y- yes, I think so. Okay,
1: fair enough. Fair I think right. it's so- quite cool. You got, got all that to listen to. You got all that to look forward to, and more. I've got
0: all that to buyers. decide.
1: We've also got to decide a name to call our patrons. Um, we'll get. Yes, so in I'm working end. on it. I'm we'll think of someone it. that isn't disrespectful, even though they all sound the best ones. That's the problem. <laughs> um, so get him in. Three pound a month patron. You get in there. You get the episode. List. Let's
2: go, daddy. You get
1: extra content. You get our little show page notes. I write whole bloody operas and essays that are like eighty-four pages long. Um, you know exclusive content you get the merch straight out beforehand or whatever you get a little community it's fine whatever you're doing your thing right listen to whatever you gotta do we'll see you next week and keep it breezy on the microphone